Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Logan Bailey. Welcome to the NW Sports Podcast Football Edition, brought to you by primary sponsor, Three Chord. I'm your host, Logan Bailey, and joined today by Keith Brown, Tony Fairchild, and AJ Fairchild is actually gone today for his wedding. So uh, we wish AJ uh, good luck in the the future, and uh, he'll be back with us shortly. So uh, he's we, got he's got a lot of fun things yeah, to we, do. We hope he's back at least. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep, so I'm leaving tomorrow, so I don't fly out to tomorrow, but uh, should be a good time for you guys. And uh, oh, yeah. Where, where is the wedding at? Denver. Denver, oh, cool. Yeah. Nice. So. And believe it or not, the Broncos play at home Thursday night. I'm like, man, you know, it's, tickets are kind of expensive, but I'm just like, when will you ever have another chance to go to Mile High to watch a game? That you know would be I mean? pretty cool. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> playing the Colts. I'd look to see if they were playing at home on Sunday, you know, because I thought, well, I got nothing going on Sunday. We don't fly out yep. to Monday. And uh, looked, and they actually have the Thursday night game. I'm like, okay, that would be really cool now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would be awesome. All right. Well, let's go ahead. Let's look at how we did for last week, and uh, it's eight, it's week eight now. But let's look at week seven picks and how we did. And uh, Bryce was <laughs> far and wide the the winner last week, going seventeen and one. He only missed one game, and that was the Paulding at Hicksville game, and uh, that was the only one he got wrong. But uh, I know we've been giving Bryce a hard time for his picks up to this point. But I mean, you look at it now; he's back in the ball game with all of us. And uh, <laughs> yes. I know Tony uh, Bryce is breathing down your neck right now. So. I know he went against the. We always talk about him going against the grain. Boy, when they pay out like he did this past week, uh, he caught up, made up a bunch of. Oh, ground. it does. And uh, for Keith, for the first time all year, now has a tie with AJ with a record of one hundred and seven and thirty-one. So uh, Keith's got a little competition yes. too with AJ. Try to let everybody you know? catch close a gap a bit and make it a little more competitive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, coming down the stretch here, I mean, things are getting close. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Third, looking at third, uh, is myself with 102 and 36. I finally jumped Tony, so. Uh, yeah, Tony, I didn't do so well last week. <laughs> <laughs> Tony is uh, fourth now with 101 and 37 record, and uh, Bryce is fourth with a 99 and 39 record. So, I mean, you look at it across the board, we're all 72% or higher for picking games, and then I would say that's pretty good. And uh, Keith and uh, AJ both have 78% uh, picking percentage, so uh, excellent job by them. Thank you. Uh, yeah, AJ was bragging it up. He's like, hey, call Keith. I finally called Keith. <laughs> I, I, I wish AJ was here. I wanted to hear his comments because I know he'd probably be pretty excited that he finally <laughs> tied for first. So. Oh, yeah. He's like, man, I'm going to miss it because like, I'd be yelling. I don't know. I'm like, I made it. I was like, yeah, I'll give you some kudos. You, you did a good job picking the games, which, you know, he did. He really, the, the only games he missed was games we all missed other than Bryce. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I missed the PH game, Lipstick game, and the Pauling game. It's good week yeah pretty good week for him yeah. and aj finished 15 and 3 so uh yeah another good week very good all right let's go ahead let's look at some week seven game recaps and we'll start it off with the nwo sports game of the week from week seven uh looking at airsville at tenora and airsville ended up winning uh with a score of 22 to 8 and the pilots brought home the victory bell and the river rivalry for the first time since 2016 and we were talking um been quite a while for the pilots and that was the year uh dawson dales and jacob miller and you had ethan schlachter so yeah. i mean you had quite a bit of talent on the airsville team and now uh airsville brought back the victory bell again so uh kind of had some different thoughts and then even though i wasn't there i still followed the game but uh man what a nice addition tyson schlachter has been for the pilots as a six foot six 240 pound body i mean wow and he contributed and he had a huge touchdown reception just before half so uh why don't you guys go ahead and uh Tell me a little bit about what you saw about the Pilots and Rams from Friday night. Go ahead, Keith. Um, boy, it just seems like there was just a slew of points in like a six-minute span, and then 
outside of that, it was just basically the teams were trading punches up and down the field, it seemed like. Only second-half score was a – I think Hanstein actually picked off uh, Graziani for a pick six, and yeah. um, Tenora got down close a couple times late fourth, but they were denied. But overall, looking at the game – um, Sonora had a three three nothing lead midway through the second quarter. Um, Gavin Eckert was hurt, uh, yeah, went out, um, which sounds like Gavin's going to miss the rest of the season. Unfortunately yeah. for him, uh, Graziani came in to replace him. Um, I th- Gavin's presence, as far as a leader, was definitely missed on defense. I think Friday night, um, once he went out, that first touchdown to Delano was right down the seam, which I, uh, Gavin would have been there. Right. Whether or not, you know, I mean, you, you don't know, but you assume he would have made a, a little bit of difference. Um, so Ayersville took a 7-3 lead. Then the Tenora offense, which we haven't seen hardly ever, um, with probably a minute and a half to go, is trying to push the ball down the field. And Ray Wolfram with a heck of an interception, um, at, I think about the 50-yard line right in front of the Tenora bench. Um, Ayersville within four plays, another pass down the seam there. Yeah. Schlachter um, caught a pass, 17 yards, I believe. Yeah, almost the exact same and throw, really. Yeah, the, they went for two on both both occasions and had it just like that. It was 16-3. to three. Still, what, 45 seconds to go in the half, and <laughs> Tenora pushed again, the ball down the field. Um, Graziani found uh, Brandon Edwards down about, what, the seven-yard line. So yeah. Tenora had first and goal from the seven with, I think they had at least two timeouts left, probably. Um 25 seconds to go or so, and we just couldn't uh, put the ball in, had to settle for a field goal. So we went in the half trailing 16-3. to And like we said, second half was just trading punches outside of that pick six for uh, Hornstein. But honestly, Tenora, for for missing the the personnel that they were on defense, played the pilots, I mean, in my opinion, played them very well outside of those two big plays, which – you know, like I said, Gavin Eckert, whether or not he would have made a difference, she would have liked to think that he would. But for um, all the all the changes that, that happened within just like a snap of a finger last week, the the Tenora uh, defense stepped up and I thought played Ayersville pretty tough, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do agree with you, Keith. It, um, just shy of a few big plays, like you said, the pick six and the two big seam routes so just yep. for touchdowns. Other than that, I mean, you know, when I picked Tenor last week, you know, the first thing I thought was they got to shut down the run, and yeah. that's why I picked Tenor because I figured if we shut down the run and we we make Hanstein throw the ball, which we ended up picking him off too. Yes, um, yep. Graziani, you know, we make nice him throw the ball. Yeah, yep. if we make him pick up, we throw the ball. Maybe we can get some picks and make make him make a mistake, which we we were. Right. Um, but I agree with Keith when when Eckert went down and with the shoulder injury, I believe it broke his collarbone. Um, you know, that just seemed like, and on the play, the first play they scored on him, he was, he could have walked to the end zone. He was so wide open, but I think they, you know, kind of rotated coverages and I don't think it was, didn't like it was communicated and he was just wide open. So, you know, if you have your senior out there communicating, I think it changes that a little bit, but, you know, talking about the elephant in the room with everything that went on with Tonora last week and them guys coming out and, um, you know, playing literally with not even really a day of practice, guys, because that all kind of went down on Wednesday. Um, you know, so Thursdays, they're kind of walkthrough day. Yeah. Um, you know, we talked about this a little bit Friday night during the game a little bit with this. Um, you know, th- those younger guys having to step up. You know, the varsity game, it's a lot faster. You know, it's it's, it's a faster-paced yeah. game. And, you know, some of those uh, sophomores getting in there, um, 
getting their feet wet with really no practice with right. the first team O. True, you know, yeah. I mean, same with same with Graziani. He doesn't take any snaps with the first team O. I mean, Eckert was doing it all. Yep. So then Eckert goes down, and then you're immediately thrust into here you go yep. um, with no, not having any snaps. So, you know, I, I think had that, you know, give him another week. And, I mean, the defense, I thought, played fantastic, like Keith said, considering all the all the hoopla that was going on and, and getting thrown in there with no practice time, really, um, and saying, hey, you're playing Friday night. Right. <laughs> kind of. Um, but, yeah, they played they, – the defense played great. And um, But, you know, hats off to Ayersville. You know, um, you know, they played great. Hanstein did, did a good job with the pick six. And, um, you know, but I really thought with Tenora, if, if you would have told me – that Tenora would have held, uh, you know, Harrisville to less than what, 100 yards rushing or right around 100 uh, yards rushing. They had uh, 43 yards rushing on 31 attempts. Total. 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 See, yeah. you just told me they held them for less than 50 yards rushing total. I just said we would have beat, we would have won that game hands down. Yep. Um, you know, Graziani's got some learning to do. He forced the ball a couple times, and um, the interception Keith talked about on the sideline, it was tipped, and um, Wolfram made a great, yep. great job of keeping his feet in bounds, trying to make that catch, and, and he did. But, you know, Graziani kind of forced the ball a couple times. I think there was some times there was some open receivers. He was just getting pressured a little bit and um, was was thrown a little soon. So, you know, give them some time. Yep. They're, they're going to they're gonna be fine. And, Tony, you made a good point about stopping the uh, rushing attack. I mean, Keith gave the team total. But, I mean, looking at it, um, Owen Burner only had 40 rushing yards and Blake Honstein only had 15 rushing yards. And, I mean, if, if – you would have said that. I would have said you're crazy because those those two <laughs> right. themselves typically average probably 200 yards between the two of them easily, yeah. 200 plus. So I thought that was a very good job by the Tenor defense. But again, at the end of the day, it's a matter of who could make the big play and put points on the board. And honestly, as good as Blake Honstein can be at quarterback, I think he's almost a better defensive back. I mean, as he's just been an absolute ball hawk, especially yep. with yep. that pick six against Tenor. And he's got four interceptions on the year. So uh, he's been doing an excellent job back there. And he makes it hard for yep. the opposing team quarterback yeah honestly honestly played great I, I thought he did a good job at, on the offensive side too as far as you know conducting the offense and running you know throwing the ball and because they did have some big passes um some big plays but yeah, yeah it's like you said who are made the big plays and uh, we talked about it before you know Tenor's offense and, and with Eckert getting hurt um you know it just sputter yeah. sputter 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 and if you can't score points you can't win ball games, and you know we just couldn't yep. put any points on the board. Yeah, and that's been the, the story of the whole year for Tenora. I mean, is their yeah. their offense, and uh, just still trying to figure that thing out. But yeah. uh, I had a couple other talking points too here, and I was looking uh, Abe Delano, wide receiver for Ayersville. I mean, I think he continues to verify himself as one of the top receivers in the area. I mean, he had another nice game with three receptions for seventy seven receiving yards and a receiving touchdown. I mean, and again, I mean, there wasn't all that many points in the game, and he came up big with those receptions and. Uh, he, the week before, I believe he he went off at Hicksville too. Yeah, right? Had what one seventy four? Yeah, on, on again like that. unlimited receptions. Yep. So I mean, when he gets the ball in his hands, he does big things. I mean, yep. that's what you need for an offense. You need yep. those guys out in space that can make big plays. Yeah, I mean, it, it, Ayersville's. I guess we saw Friday night. They're not one dimensional. If they want to run, they can run. Um, if like Tenor shut down the run, then they also have the option to pass and who wouldn't like to hit that six uh was he six 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 six, six yeah, tight yeah. end yeah. coming over the middle yeah. i mean you don't have to be pinpoint accurate no you just get all. it in the area and, and he's going to bring it down so schlachter's got good hands yes, too so right, right. you look at that that's like when you're talking like gronk size right there right six, six, that's, 240 that's a high school level that's i mean that's that's huge yeah. But uh, in all in all, great game, and, and Tenora fought fall hard and just uh, couldn't capitalize and get the ball in the end zone. And um, 
you know, and Bishop had that first field goal that he missed, but he yeah. hit it well. I mean, I, I even called him like, that looks like it's good. It's about 42. Yeah, and he just missed something it. like that. Yeah. Just missed it to come, come up to, it looks like it's going in. I mean, he kicked it real high and I mean, it was just perfect. And then it come down and it just kind of fell short, but um, good kick. Yep. And, um, but again, just Sonora's got to get the ball in the end zone. All right, let's go ahead. Let's move on to the next game here. Defiance at Lima Bath and Defiance ended up coming away with another win and man, are they doing well right now? They won that game 35 nothing and uh, had a shutout against Lima Bath and uh, they held Lima Bath to just 172 yards on offense and 31 passing yards. So, I mean, that defense has been locked down and uh, they've got some pretty good offensive players too. I mean, running back Brogan Castillo, 112 rushing yards, one rushing touchdown. Uh, quarterback Brez Zipfel and Keith and I talked off air again, but man, is he just consistent week after week after week? And yeah. I mean, we we said it too. He's going to go out there every game. He's going to throw about yep. 70, 80 percent completion percentage, two hundred passing yards, and a couple passing touchdowns. And what does he do? He does it again. He throws for one fifty eight and two passing touchdowns. So I mean, he's he's just so predictable. Like yeah. in a sense, not I'm not saying that's bad, but I mean consistent. And, he, you're right. He, right. He's a player yep. that's going to go out there and produce week after week. And, exactly. Uh, I mean, you get throwing some other good wide receivers, and uh, the senior Brian Phillips stepped up, four receptions, 67 receiving yards, and a receiving touchdown. And uh, I know even though Craig Nichols didn't have that many rushing yards, he had uh, had an 89-yard kickoff return for a touchdown, and he, he also had one rushing touchdown on top of that. So, again, even though he's not, he didn't contribute as much to the rushing attack, he's still helping with special teams. So uh, what are your guys' thoughts on uh, this game? And Defiance continues to do what they've been doing, just plugging away and, and going up there and getting wins. And, um, you know, the guys that we've been talking about, like you just mentioned, Brez Zippel just continues to be, like you said, the little workhorse going out there, the little engine that could, and just keeps <laughs> plugging away, getting you know, doing what he needs to do and leading that team. So uh, Defiance is on the little of a roll here. Just uh, And we talked about their schedule a little bit last week, but, you know, they definitely could come up with a few more wins. Yeah, they won four straight, play Salina, then OG. So when we talked about the Week 10 matchup versus uh, Wapakoneta, so – yeah, if you're Defiance and Coach Cooper and the Defiance football fan, you haven't been out to see a game, uh, get out there this week. I mean, that's Defiance has everything going in the right direction. Yep. And there's athletes, I mean, all over the yeah. field. I mean, I know we don't credit everyone because obviously some positions, like even like I, I wish we were able to get more defensive statistics too to kind of give those kids recognition. Right. But uh, sometimes it's just hard enough to get statistics. <laughs> but uh, but again, now their defense is playing very well right now. And we know Christian Camaso, he's just been doing amazing on defense as well at linebacker spot. I mean, he's always one of their leading tacklers. But uh Hopefully he'll be back and healthy here. I know he's been battling with an injury in the, uh, the last couple of weeks. And uh, this is also the first season of uh, 500 or better since 2013 for uh, Defiance. So that's something to uh, get excited about. Yeah, in the last decade, that's uh, – that's I, number one, I guess program like Defiance, you find that hard to believe. But um, in the current times, like you said, Coach Cooper and, and the dogs are just steamrolling ahead every week looking for that Week 10 matchup at, uh, versus Wapak. So – yeah, I think with Coach Cooper, they finally found something that's going to work for him, and he's he's getting those boys to believe, you know, buy into the system and making it work. It's one thing to have a system, and you're going to run it no matter what, even though you don't have the athletes. I think Coach Cooper <laughs> is one of those coaches that he's just going to adapt and run whatever system that fits his his kids. Yep, so absolutely, he's not going to force feed a system down the throat. No reason to run a run and shoot if you don't have the athletes yep, for a yep, run and right. shoot. So yeah, we always joke around that with with the <laughs> Ohio State. You know, right. Ohio State always does that read option offense. Yep. Was well, it's not real hard to run a read option offense if the quarterback's never going to run the ball, right? So <laughs> yep. so you have to adapt, yep. and uh, you know, so you, you know your quarterback's not going to run the ball, so then you don't run that. 
that's um, you know Cooper's doing that with with defiance and just kind of adapting and making those kids successful. And that's the that's the that's the key of the game right there. Yep. All right, let's go ahead. Let's move on to the next game here. Napoleon at Springfield, and uh, Napoleon came away with uh, another win on the year. Uh, won that game twenty-seven to six, and they had a little change at quarterback with uh, sophomore Owen Espinoza getting the call, and uh, he was three of six for seventy-six passing yards and two passing touchdowns. So, again, another quarterback that was efficient. And uh, Andrew Williams is a name that we've brought up time and time again throughout this year. Running back for Napoleon, caught all three receptions from Espinoza for seventy-six receiving yards and added one hundred and ten rushing touchdowns. Or 110 rushing, 110 <laughs> rushing yards. That would be pretty impressive. If he had 110 rushing touchdowns for the game. That scored me a little better than 27 to six. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, that's rushing yards. So uh, thoughts on this game uh, with the Napoleon Wildcats uh, coming away with another win. You know, Napoleon plays in the NLL, and there's some tough teams there, and to see them come out, you know, and put another win on the board, but. Um, you know, for whatever reason, they changed the quarterback thing. I think Wolf was hurt. I think he had a. Uh, something off his wrist, I, from okay. my understanding. Okay. Yeah, I know he's battled some injuries yeah. in the past, too, or the, the past throughout the year, yep. but uh, that would yeah. make sense then. But, uh, I mean, it seemed like it was the Andrew Williams show, you know, catching, it, the, catching the three three passes and, and uh, then running the ball. So Yeah, if you're a sophomore quarterback getting the emergency start there, it's kind of nice to know you have Andrew Williams behind <laughs> yes. you. That's yep. a huge safety net. Yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of unfortunate with Napoleon just seems to be playing better each week, and then your starting quarterback goes down presumably for the rest of the season. And, you know, that's unfortunate. But, again, like we said, you got Andrew Williams to, you know, fall back on. So let's see what Coach Swery and the Cats can do the next three weeks. And it's nice to see Napoleon get their third win of the season. They're kind of getting on a roll here, yeah. which is nice to see, especially yeah. once they're – I mean, they're in conference play too. And right. And NL is always tough. So uh, yeah. that's – I mean, that's what you need at this point. So hopefully they can uh, rattle off a few more wins and maybe possibly make a playoff berth if they can. I think uh, they've what, won three out of four. I believe. I believe so. so. I'd have to look at that. But it's probably close. But let's go ahead. We'll move on to the next game. And uh, boy, was it a big one going into it. And uh, Holgate ended up proving to end up being a lot better than we expected uh, going into that game. Holgate beat Stryker uh, fourteen to or fifty-one to fourteen. So uh, we were hyping it up last week, and uh, it was a huge win for Holgate and the Northwest Ohio Sports Mega Bowl is what we're calling <laughs> it. <laughs> So, uh, what were you guys' thoughts on this matchup here? I tell you, I was shocked. Honestly, um, I really thought, uh, you know, the stat that I looked at, you know, you, you got in here that Holgate Hill strike at 116 yards total offense. You know, and, and it just really that was kind of wow. The striker's been kind of burning it up, and, and to see Hill Holgate you know. hold him down, and, um, obviously, which is, which is huge. You know, defense wins championships, what everybody says, right? But <laughs> yeah, we were we were shocked when we gave the score of this like. A couple times before the half, or just whoa, wow, that's totally unexpected. But yeah, Holgate, like as Logan said in the uh, the intro, there, I give them credit because we didn't, we certainly didn't expect uh, that margin of victory whatsoever, especially with some of the athletes that Stryker has. And, right, you know, you see that score, it's wow, a very yeah. very impressive win by Holgate. And sure. I, I think that win for Holgate, that's definitely a statement win right there. I mean, Holgate's going out and they're showing that they're ready to compete this year in the Northern yeah. Eight Conference. And, uh, I mean, they clinched a, a conference home playoff game So with that win. So that was, that, that's awesome for them. 38-6 to six at half. So big wow. time for them. That's a huge win, yep. And I guess, too, 
uh, we were told by outside sources that this was already a rival game. But uh, oh, really? <laughs> and the reason it could not be moved to Saturday was because uh, of Holgate's homecoming. So. Gotcha. That kind of cleared up some stuff for us because we were wondering, too, why they didn't have it on Saturday. But I guess that kind of all makes sense. But, again, um, what a win for Holgate. And uh, Xavier McCord had another good game at quarterback for Holgate, and uh, he continues to produce week after week. And uh, Holgate, ah, man, I mean, them beating Fort Wayne Crusaders the other week, I mean, they might have a chance at the title of the whole thing. So uh, (laughs) be curious to see how they do throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, McCord had two straight fantastic weeks what 241 yards yeah yeah so and they got another big game this week with uh toledo christian yep. so uh we'll see how they do let's go ahead let's move on to the next game here wasion at patrick henry and uh wasion came away with a win here 38 to 13 and uh what i a stat i thought was kind of interesting was patrick henry was actually up 13 nothing to start the game and uh wasion ended up rattling off uh 13 or 38 consecutive points and uh I thought, what a game. Again, Trey Parsons, quarterback for Was Young. He has done such a nice job since he's entered in, and uh, they kind of had a change of quarterbacks. But, again, he's continued to do his job and do it very well. And uh, his receiving core, oh, my goodness, what a game from all three of them. Jude Armstrong, Tyson Rodriguez, Sam Smith. I mean, we've talked about those three throughout the year. And, uh, again, they produced. And uh, Was Young came away with a big win. And uh, what are you guys' thoughts on this one? You know, kudos, you know, to Wasion. I mean, they obviously saw something that wasn't happening with their offense, um, you know, with, with McLeod as the quarterback. And and uh, I'm sorry, but I'm blanking on the coach's name over there. Um, uh, Sean Moore. Sean, Sean Moore. Moore. Um, you know, he obviously saw something that wasn't working and made that change and, and threw Trey Parsons in there. And man, he has been tearing it up. And, and it's trying to turn the season around a little bit yep. for Wasion, yep. um, in my opinion. And, you know, when you throw for 300 yards, it just – I mean, you, you put your team on your back. Let's go, boys! That's and uh, he's been he's been stepping up to the to the challenge, and it's it's kind of exciting to see. Um, you know, and I guess you know, obviously they got down thirteen nothing, and nobody panicked. And and not only did he throw for three hundred plus yards, he was twenty nine of thirty three, which I thought yeah, that stat stood out more than anything yeah. else. So yeah, he's been very uh, very efficient. Keith, do you have any comments? Yeah, no, like Tony Tony said, that takes a lot of guts for Coach Moore to, you know, set down McLeod and, you know, and have a little talk with him and say, hey, sorry, but need to go in a little direction yeah. or a different direction. And uh, Patrick Henry – or Patrick Henry uh, – Wasion's probably averaged 35 points a week since the change. Yeah. So very, uh, very impressive. Uh, Coach uh, Coach Moore and Wasion definitely playing uh, – getting hot at the right time. Actually, they have been uh, – 35, 33, and 38 in the last three games. Awesome. And I think, too, the, the big question mark here is uh, going to be Patrick Henry going forward. Yeah. I mean, they've had yep. a couple of tough losses. And, I mean, they had their shots at the game. Um, yeah. I mean, they were up 13 nothing to start this game. And uh, they had a comeback against Brian, which they almost pulled it off. But, again, it's just like they can't. They haven't been able to get it done. And we know, again, <laughs> they have some talent on their team. So yeah, they have yeah. the meat of their schedule, too. Yeah. I mean, that's just Wasion last week, Liberty Center, Delta, Archibald. Yeah, so. Liberty Center coming this week. Then at, they're at Delta and then back yeah. back home with Archibald. So Wow, that's a tough way to <laughs> yeah, be in a conference yeah. play. So. Yeah, that's a tough final. I mean, that's that what we talked about that you know the NWAL being tough and you look at it and they're literally they're beating each other up. Yeah, it's 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 uh, yeah. But yeah, congrats to Wasion. I mean, like I said, they're playing, I mean, playing great. Yeah, just talking, looking at briefly, Tony you got Liberty Center four 0 Archibald Delta Wasion three three and one. 
and pH is two and two, and they're like in the bottom third pHs. At, <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's just crazy to think about because all those teams are quality teams, and like we yeah. talked to, we talked about too before entering conference play that all these teams are going to get in here, they're going to beat each other up. So, right. I mean, I've, I'm still surprised. I know Liberty Center is very good, but I'm surprised they haven't had one loss to this point. I mean, they've survived some pretty tough teams. So, yeah. uh, kudos to Liberty Center. I mean, they keep running away with it, and uh, I think there's no looking back for them. So. Yeah. Uh, let's go ahead. Let's move on to the next game. Uh, big first win of the season for the Hicksville Aces. Uh, Paulding was at Hicksville, and uh, Hicksville ended up winning 34-15. to And uh, big win for Coach Lucas Smith there. And, uh, man, George Green running back from Hicksville went off. And he had 161 rushing yards and three rushing touchdowns. And, I mean, what a performance by him. And, I mean, that honestly, <laughs> three touchdowns, that, that's like almost single-handedly yeah. beating Paulding <laughs> right. by himself. Yep. So. Looking at some other uh, stats from this game, Paulding had four turnovers in the game, and uh, one was for a fumble return for a touchdown by Brody Balzer of Hicksville. And uh, Hicksville's Brant Langham returned a kickoff for 77 yards and a touchdown. So, uh, man, the the troops were definitely rallied over there in Hicksville, and they got their act together, and they pulled off their first win. So uh, what are you guys' thoughts about uh, this game here? Surprise. Yeah, <laughs> I very. Thought, you know, we, we, we know Coach Smith over there. Is, you know, he's a good coach. He's been here for a while, and – Obviously, he knows how to win ball games, and um, you know, but uh, doesn't say. I was looking at the paper here. Uh, doesn't say when that kickoff return for the score was. Um, um, it was. Was that early in the game? Uh, it was. Doesn't would have been their third touchdown. Third touchdown for, okay. for Hicksville. So you know, stuff like that. You know, the the scoop and score and the uh, kickoff returns. Those those things ignite teams, right? I mean, if you're looking for the spark to to finally get a win, and you know, to finally you know to help your team get a win, and um, you know, stuff like that is really what starts to get the ball rolling for you. Yeah, it's kind of like Coach Smith took the first half against Ayersville and just reviewed that game film with them. <laughs> and like, yeah. we're not boys. We're not even going to watch the second half because apparently Coach Mickey came out and just had the the locker room speech of the season for the pilots. That and yeah. So Coach Smith was like, hey, we're just going to watch the first half, boys. And <laughs> once <laughs> halftime comes, we're not watching this again. And yeah, kudos to uh, the Aces come out and just played lights out against uh, Paulding. And I like how you said it too, Keith. I mean, last week, Hicksville, they, I mean, they were battling Ayersville in that eight, first eight, half. Nothing at the half. Yes, yep. and uh, I mean, we know Ayersville, I mean, we got to see them firsthand. You guys yep, did. Yep. I obviously was not there, but uh, yep. I kind of followed along. But still, uh, we kind of saw a preview of what Hicksville's been mm-hmm. cooking, and uh, yep. they are finally able to get it over the hump and get that first win. Yep. So a huge first win. I mean, you don't ever want to go a season without a single no, win. No. So, I mean, you yeah, kind of got is, that monkey off your back yeah. at this point. So hopefully, uh, maybe they can pull off another one here so yeah, you're kind of like you talk about the dog days of summer for baseball players this is kind of like equivalent for the the football player like if you're owen six or no one seven mm-hmm. you're counting down well we got three more games uh, how many practices till the season's over <laughs> you, you, you look forward to the end of the season and then when the end of the season comes you know you got a week or two buffer period there and you're like man, I wish we still played, right. you know, you look forward to the end, but then again, you miss it when it's gone. Yeah, absolutely. So, All right. So, so enjoy it while you can, fellas. Yeah. doesn't last forever. Let's move on to the next game. Salina at Ottawa Glandorf and, uh, Salina was victorious 14 to seven. I know we didn't have much information about this game, but just wanted to touch on it. But all I had to say is, man, Ottawa Glandorf has had 
some tough luck because they have played teams yes. so close throughout the season, but they just cannot get it done. I mean, we know that they're they're the record. I feel like is not an accurate uh, depiction of how that team and program is because I mean, you look back at the schedule. Um, they play they play a tough schedule. Yeah. Eastwood, Wapakoneta, Elida, St. Mary's, Van Wert. I mean, Salina. They they all have pretty good winning records. And they're if you look play, at all of them, play Defiance. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, that's what I mean. And uh, they're they just happen to lose some of those games by. I mean, a score, two score games. I mean, really outside of that St. Mary's game, I think they've been, I mean, the Van Wert game was probably, I mean, 31-16, but it seemed closer as we are you know, giving our scores throughout the night. But, yeah, they seem like they're in every game. It's just trying to get over that hump. Yeah. So, And I feel like if you're in the WBL this last last half of the season, I I would not want to play Ottawa-Glandorf just because, I mean, they are very competitive, and I feel like, a lot of teams may overlook OG almost Absolutely. to the point. I mean, you're yep. getting to the last half of the season and uh, you're trying to look at some easier teams in the conference. But, uh, I mean, you blink and uh, OG will yeah. be right there. Right. So yeah. that's something I, I think uh, teams need to be aware of. But, uh, yeah. I mean, you look to, I mean, Wapakoneta, they lost 7-14. to 14. I mean, Wapakoneta beat, <laughs> beat Van Wert. <laughs> yeah. And, I, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I think that's just crazy. So. Uh, you guys have any other comments on this game? I just wanted to kind of review that because yeah. I think I think Ottawa Glandorf still a competitive team, but it's just like they just can't get quite over the hump you to know, get that know, win. You know, so yeah, like you said they're in every game, and it seems like they just like you just can't get enough. That's not quite enough. All right. Well, we're gonna go ahead and we'll take a break to hear from our sponsors, and we'll be right back. Three Chord is a family-owned and operated business who offers the highest quality embroidery, screen printing, sign and promotional items to customers in Northwest Ohio at competitive prices. Locations in Archibald, Napoleon, and Bowling Green. Check them out at threecord.com. That's T-H-R-E-E-C-O-R-D.com. For any of your auto body or collision needs, be sure to check out Bat and Stevens Body Shop. Voted the number one body shop in Northwest Ohio by Crescent News Readers. Give them a call today at 419-497-3111 to schedule your free estimate. Check out Tenora Rams Live. Live events broadcast on YouTube and post-game results, articles, schedules, and more can all be found on TenoraRams.com. Feel free to look up their Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram pages as well. Jimenez Basketball Academy strives to create an atmosphere to cultivate basketball fundamentals in Northwest Ohio youth athletes, offering one-on-one sessions, group sessions, speed and agility training, and much more. Located in Pettisville, Ohio, call Coach Jesse today at 419-551-8105. We're back on the NW Sports Podcast. Logan Bailey here with Keith Brown and Tony Fairchild. Uh, we're looking at Player of the Week from Week 7. So, uh, wow, did we have some good performances and uh, a lot of good performances from some running backs, too, this week. So, uh, without further ado, I'll go ahead and uh, I'll na- announce some of the players and their school and positions and uh, what their stats uh, revealed from last week. So, uh, starting first, Delta running back Briar Knapp, six carries, 122 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns. Hicksville running back George Green, 161 rushing yards, three rushing touchdowns. Holgate quarterback Xavier McCord, eight of 10, 80% completion percentage, 241 passing yards, four passing touchdowns. He did have one interception, but he also had a rushing touchdown. Columbus Grove running back Trenton Barraza, 11 carries, 234 rushing yards. He averaged 21.2 yards a carry, and he had two rushing touchdowns. Eden quarterback Kyler Sapp was 14 of 18, 78%, 200 passing yards, four passing touchdowns. 
Liberty Center running back Matthew Orr, five carries, 235 rushing yards. He averaged 47 yards a carry and added four rushing touchdowns. So he literally scored on every single carry but one. So that is very impressive. <laughs> Liberty Center quarterback Zane Zider was 8 of 10, 80%, 107 passing yards and two passing touchdowns and a very efficient game from him. Washington quarterback Trey Parsons, wow, 27 of 31, 87% completion percentage. He had 307 passing yards, two passing touchdowns. He did have one interception, but he also had seven carries for 18 rushing yards and one rushing touchdown. So a good performance by him to help uh, Wasion beat Patrick Henry. A couple other Wasion guys, uh, Wasion wide receiver Jude Armstrong, 12 receptions, 144 receiving yards, and he had one receiving touchdown. And Wasion linebacker Austin Kovar, eight and a half tackles, one sack, two tackles for loss, and an interception. So he did it all on uh, the defensive side of the ball. Antwerp wide receiver Parker Moore, eight receptions, 137 receiving yards, one receiving touchdown. And Antwerp quarterback Carson Ultimus, 20 of 30, 67% completion percentage, 256 passing yards, one passing touchdown, eight carries for 70 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns, and he had three total touchdowns for the game. And I feel like with Carson Ultimus, he's always on this list. So <laughs> yeah, that's someone that no week. matter what, every week, he, Carson Ultimus from Antwerp is always on the list. So uh, let's go ahead, and uh, why don't you guys reveal some guys you were looking at for player of the week, and uh, we'll go ahead and have some discussion. For me, I mean, I'm looking at uh, Trey Parsons had, had a heck of a game, 20, 27 to 31. Now, the paper has him at 29 to 33, so it doesn't really change nothing. But, um, you know, just a very efficient game. He's, he's playing great since stepping in, and um, – you know, but, uh, you know, how do you uh, – Matthew Orr, gee whiz. <laughs> I touch the ball and score. Touch the ball, score. Touch. I mean, I guess I'm uh, – if I'm walking away from that game, I'm going to be happy. I was I was the guy that tackled him and kept him from scoring, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Time, right. <laughs> Touched the ball five times and scored on four of them. So, um, wow, just a, an amazing performance there. Keith, who were some uh, players you were looking uh, for at? For me, uh, just no, without touching on the ones that Tony already did, um, for a second straight week, Xavier McCord of Holgate, 8 of 10, 241. That's coming off the week before where he had that game-winning drive where I think he went it's 94 like, yards. Yeah, it was like 90-plus yeah. yards. So, uh, eight-man, shout-out to uh, Xavier McCord for Holgate. And again, uh, Car- Carson Altimus, as you said, I think he's on here every week. Yeah. And a uh, big week coming up, uh, showdown at at Ayersville, so, but I uh, can't go wrong with Matthew Orr. Um, and and this, they were playing Brian, who was coming off that big win over PH. Yeah, so that's true, too. So it's, it's that's a very impressive performance by Matthew Orr at Liberty Center. And a couple guys for me, I mean, I was looking at three running backs here. I mean, like I said, there was a ton of running backs this week. Yeah. You look at Delta running back Briar Knapp, six carries, 122 rushing yards, and two rushing touchdowns. I mean, again, he's averaging so many yards a carry. Mm-hmm. And then you look at Hicksville running back George Green, 161 rushing yards, three rushing touchdowns, and help Hicksville get their first win. I mean, look at how much that helped Hicksville. I mean, he basically outscored the whole Paulding holding team <laughs> so that was pretty impressive too and then uh, another running back Trenton Barraza I mean yeah. he was averaging 21.2 yards a carry 234 rushing yards again I mean there's a these guys were just running all over the yeah. field this who, weekend who would have thought that you would have ran 234 yards and, and averaged 21.2 yards a carry and somebody did better right yeah that's what I mean <laughs> like Jeez, hard to believe. <laughs> so I mean those guys all stood out but again you look at Liberty Center Matthew Orr and we discussed and Wow, when you have five carries, 235 rushing yards, and four rushing touchdowns, that is very deserving of the NW Sports Player of the Week for Week 7. And 
just to think, put that into consideration. He's literally averaging, he's running half the football field every time he touches the ball, which is crazy to <laughs> yeah. think about. And there, there's one, Logan, again, it's outside our, our, our coverage area, but Mason Oliver had 355 yards. Wow, from Elmwood? Yes. Yeah. Wow. So that that is... It, rushing? 355 rushing yards? Yep. And how many carries? Uh, does not say. 36. 36 carries. Oh, wow. Really carrying the rock. Yeah, he's another one that's a workhorse. <laughs> yeah, Fifty six to forty nine final there, I believe. Yeah, and Elm, I think yeah, Elmwood came up just short to Eastwood, but those two wow. teams. I mean, they're in Division Five, Region eighteen. So, uh, so they went. So he ran for that, and they still lost. Yeah. Holy moly! <laughs> that wow. would have been a good game to be at that Elmwood Eastwood game, but uh, nonetheless, uh, again, Matthew Orr, running back from Liberty Center, is our NW Sports Player of the Week. So congratulations to him, and congratulations to these all these other uh, athletes making this list. I mean, again, like Tony said, like who would have thought? I mean, if you rush for two hundred plus yards, that you'd be getting beat out for Player of the Week by someone else. I mean, that's a heck of a performance. That's wow. like you just can't win if you're yeah, the other exactly. kids. So. But anyways, congrats to again to him. And the player of the week will receive a plaque sponsored by Bat and Stevens Body Shop at the end of the season. So, uh, again, uh, keep up the good work, guys. And uh, hopefully uh, you guys will make this list again. So let's go ahead and let's look at the power rankings for week eight. So I'll go ahead and uh, I'll reveal the power rankings here. And uh, Tony and Keith will roast me. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's go ahead and I'll start. I'll break it down into some groups and we'll have some discussion about uh, where teams landed on the list this week. And uh some rationale maybe behind it. So coming in at number 27, Fairview. Number 26, Hilltop. Number 25, Paulding. Number 24, Hicksville. Number 23, Swanton. Number 22, Montpelier. Number 21, Evergreen. Number 20, Wayne Trace. So thoughts on this group here, guys? Uh, I think you I think you've got it. I mean, uh, Fairview has, hasn't won a game. And, um, you know, the, the rest of those guys are all kind of Hicksville jumping up a couple spots because they got their first win of the season. And um, I think it looks good. Unfortunately for Evergreen, and you know, we talked about they started out the season looking good, and we, we had yeah, high high expectations. But as soon as you look yeah, flipped over the schedule, you look at your schedule and go, eh, "It's not going to yeah. look so good." So mm-hmm. they've kind of taken it on the chin here a little bit as they're going into their league play. So yeah, I think that looks good. Yeah, I agree with Tony uh, Wayne Trace. I mean, they're two and five, probably a little better than two and five, ranked twentieth, but um, it, it looks pretty accurate. All right, let's go ahead. Let's look at the next group here. 19, Ottawa Glendorf, 18, Crestview, 17, North Central, 16, Eden, number 15, Lipsick. So thoughts on this group here. North Central is the only one I see on there. They're, they're climbing their weight up, and uh, they've been playing well. I I think they can continue to move up if they you know, they get another winner under the belt. I think they could take a big leap, in my opinion, ahead of some of those other teams. I think the thing that's holding North Central back is by far their strength of schedule. Mm-hmm. I right. mean, yep. they're 5-2, and two, and they did get a good win against an undefeated, uh, oh, I'm trying to think, the team from Michigan, Erie Mason team. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, again, um, it's not like they play a lot of these local teams, so it's, it's hard to compare. Yep. And, again, um, we kind of talk to, and generally speaking, we believe – you know, you have Ohio fo- high school football here and Michigan football, maybe just a little bit below as far as I feel like some of the talent and teams. Okay. Um, but again, it's like, I mean, it's hard to deny North Central. I mean, five wins, you got to start moving yeah. them up sometime yeah, exactly. here. But it's, it's like you can't move them up too far yet either. Yeah. So uh, that's how I kind of came up with that spot. So uh, you guys have any other comments here? No, I'm, I'm hoping with North Central that they, you know, since they started their program and now that. Maybe they can get into a local league, you yeah, know, maybe the, right. the Buckeye Border Conference or something. Yeah, I think that, that that you hit it on the head. I think that's probably suits them perfectly. Yeah. 
And that would be neat. It, you know, then you get a better, little better look of, you know, they're playing the same teams that we see, you know, we've talked about all the time. So versus an Erie Mason that we, Which nothing we don't about. know nothing about. <laughs> they're, they're still hanging tough, though. They're yeah. still 10th in the, the playoff standings. So it's good, which is fabulous for a startup team. I mean, that's just unheard of. That's, I think that's amazing. Well, I was is. thinking, too, because I, I, I don't know, because, yeah, Buckeye Border Conference doesn't necessarily have a – Football, football week, correct. but they do. But Montpelier and Eden play in the the TAC, the, TAC, the Toledo TAC, Area Athletic okay. Conference. So I think that would probably be where they would fit in yeah. best too. Yeah. But but again, it, it's like you got to have room in these conferences for another right. team to join. Yeah. So I think that's the big question. Um, let's go ahead. Let's break down the next group here. Coming in at number fourteen, Napoleon. Number thirteen, Edgerton. Number twelve, Patrick Henry. Number eleven, Tenora. So thoughts in this group here, guys. Um. You know, I, the only thing I think maybe Edgerton should be up a little higher. Um, you know, their only loss was to Ayersville, and Ayersville has been playing tough and, you know, been whipping on people. So I think maybe Edgerton with their only loss, maybe they should be a little higher than uh, 13th. Yeah, for me, um, Sonora obviously probably, you know, with the loss of Gavin, the leader on offense and defense probably, uh, Graziani coming as a quarterback, plus a couple of other kids will be missing. Um, probably drop a little lower next week, uh, possibly just just because of you can only play with the kids that are available. So, true, true. Um, but that's what I kind of looked at too, right. and I I looked at too. I feel like Tenor, it's kind of a hard place to put them right yeah. now because. I mean, you look at how they played against Ayersville and you compare it to Edgerton, and actually right. they, they lost, I believe, a little bit less yep. to Ayersville yep. than what Edgerton yep. did. So it's like you have that there too. Yep. So, But I could see Tenora dropping here a yeah. little bit in the future. For, for Napoleon, look at them. I mean, finally throwing a winning streak together, then you lose your starting quarterback in Blake Wolf. So that's, that hurts them quite a bit too. But I think a team that's kind of surprising <clears> too that was really high on the list to start the season was Lipsick. I, mean, I, was, I, yeah. I had really high expectations for them. And, uh, yeah. I mean, especially losing to Liberty, Benton, I believe, by three points at the beginning of the year. And we know Liberty Benton's a really good team. And yeah. Lipstick's just kind of struggled this middle part of the year. So I feel like they're one that's really kind of surprised me to this point. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Logan. I was actually just trying to look at their schedule. And, boy, yeah, it's – it's he's out there getting things back on track, back-to-back uh, -back wins. And, of course, Columbus Grove's, you know, not a – they're pretty tough. But then Bluffton and – and some of those other, like Bluffton's been doing better. Yeah, I know are. we don't yep. cover some right. of these teams, but Bluffton's yep. doing well in the NWC. Allen East is doing well. And yep. you still have teams like Crestview mm -hmm. kind of lingering in the middle. So uh, definitely NWC's a tough conference this year. Yeah. All right. Let's look at the top 10 here. Coming in at number 10 is Brian. Number nine, Wasion. Number eight, Delta. Number seven, Columbus Grove. Number six, Defiance. So uh, here's this group. And uh, what do you guys think about this? Um. I think you've got it. I, I really do think you, you've got that one um, pretty darn close. I think it's hard, too, looking at the NWAL teams because they're beating up on each other. But, right. again, it's like, yes. you, know, you look Brian at three and four. I mean, they just, uh, you know, I don't know. That's that's the one that's kind of got me shook on this whole thing. I mean, that's I, I definitely think that, you know, I don't know that Brian, that Edgerton's better than Brian, but Edgerton's at six and one and Brian's at three and four. But you look at who Brian lost to and, Yep. You know, it's where, but like I said, Edgerton's only losses to Ayersville, who's now climbed into the top five. So, yeah, for me, it's, I'm interested to see Wasion, uh Delta this week, Archibald yes. next week, 
Um, they're one of those teams that's, that's building momentum, so they could actually be back where we actually, I think, had them originally, <laughs> originally played, right, right, you yes. know, in, the, in our preseason poll in the top five. So uh, Coach Moore in India is definitely playing playing well right now. And that's the thing. I know people always say, well, Tenor beat Wasion earlier. Yeah. Well, things change throughout that, the season. Yeah. And, yes. And Tenor's had uh, some things not go in their favor, and Wasion's had some things yep, go in their absolutely. favor. So, I mean, I think that you kind of seen a swing in momentum and out of the yep. Wasion Indians and yep. – uh, they're doing a really nice job over there, so uh, yeah. I, I could potentially see them climbing up uh, again, maybe maybe top five if, if they yeah. pull off a couple I big wins here. Yep. So next week be a yeah. key key game for Wasion. Uh, and again, look at look at Defiance. I mean, I think of the preseason poll we had them way like mm-hmm. we weren't even considering a top ten appearance out of Defiance, and now to look at them, see number six. So <laughs> yeah. I mean, kudos again to them and Coach Cooper. I mean, the excellent job that those players and the, the staff over there has done. So I think Craig Nichols has made a huge difference. Oh, definitely. Defiance. I mean, that's uh, to, what, add, what, to add a player of his his caliber and that talent. You know, it's that's kind of a gift from God. Yeah, I, I mean, what a gift! It's just like here you go. Here's a, a pr- <laughs> early Christmas present <laughs> yeah. because I mean, he we saw yeah. too. He can contribute on special teams yes, too. Yes. So uh, I mean, yeah, well, like you said, I don't know how any way else to put it. What a gift to yep. defines Bulldogs. So yep. uh, let's look at the top five here. So uh, we have a new team that entered the top five, and number five is Ayersville. And I mean, they've deserved it to this point, and they've shown that they can compete. So Ayersville is at number five, Antwerp at number four. Archibald at three, Van Wert at number two, and we have a new number one in Liberty Center. So thoughts on the top five here for the rankings. Logan, I'm not roasting you, dude. You nailed that top five. I was just looking at it. I think you got that. Um, I think you got that perfect. I think Liberty Center definitely deserves after the, the whooping they they put on this weekend. And, um, you know, I, th- I think they deserve that number one spot above Van Wert. And, um, you know, it would be one of those things to see those two teams play. Oh, I would you love to I mean? see a Van Wert-Liberty Center <laughs> matchup. So. Um you know, and again, just just like last year, man, the Liberty Center Archbold. If they played three times, who would win? The, you know, who would win all three? Um, this year, I think Liberty Center has got the edge. Liberty Center, we, like I said, we got to watch them firsthand. They're tough. They just look yeah. put together, and that was the first game of the season, and they looked that good. Mm-hmm. You know, for them, the sky is the limit, and it's all about health at this point. Keeping everybody healthy, keeping everybody fresh. Um, you know, when, when you're winning big. You know, you get yeah. to kind of set your starters. You know, Matthew, like we talked about, Matthew Orr runs for 235 yards on five carries. I mean, he, like I said, he probably didn't run much after that. You got 235 yards, five carries. All right, just go ahead and have a seat, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm sure he played some defense, but, uh, but yeah, I think you nailed that top five. And that's something, too, with Liberty Center, and, and I think you nailed it on the head again. I mean, we know their coaching staff is excellent over there, and they've got a game plan, and they, yeah. they're they very experienced over there. They have the athletes. They have the big offensive linemen. They have the athletes out in space. They have uh, – you have Cruz and you have uh, Orr at running back. Yeah. You have Zane Zider at quarterback. I mean, what more could you ask for? I mean, this is a team – I mean, the more that you watch them, the more you see how they play, and, I mean, I'm starting to think more and more potentially a state, content, state title oh, contender. Oh, so. I, I think – we, we've talked about this. The people who come out of Region 18 is probably going to be the, the contender for the state title, I do yeah, believe. Absolutely. They're, I yep. think they're going to be in the final two um, unless something weird happens. But Liberty Center has been efficient. They've been taking care of the ball. Yep. And, you know, if you want to kind of model your program after after a program, Liberty Center, they're they're doing things right over there. We get to see their oh, weight room. And, you know, they're doing it right over there. Top to bottom, and, and everything. It's, yep. And it's showing. It's showing on the scoreboards and the, the records. 
It is. And, uh, I mean, Liberty Center is the place to be right now. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, again, I, they continue to impress week after week. But, again, another team, keep your eye out for Van Wert. Yeah. I mean, they're still doing big things, and uh, and I, I think they could potentially uh, make a run in Division Four. So, um, let's go ahead. Well, that concludes our, our power rankings. Let's take a break to hear from our sponsors, and we'll be back for the next section, the hot takes. <laughs> Fairchild Family Chiropractic aims to help families to get better together in the least invasive way possible. Dr. Fairchild focuses on the neck using the Blair Technique and Palmer Package adjusting to correct spinal misalignments. Located in Defiance, Ohio, call Dr. Fairchild today at 419-576-5070 to schedule an appointment. Northwest Ohio Basketball hosts premier basketball tournaments for boys in grades 3 to 8 in the area. Upcoming tournaments are right around the corner. Give them a call today at 419-283-5296 or check out their website at nwobball.com. Crystal Vasquez of Amerimade Realty is a top real estate agent in Northwest Ohio. Crystal's compassion and enthusiasm allow her to find that special property or house just for you. Located in Bryan, Ohio, give her a call today at 419-799-1243. Back on the NW Sports Podcast, it's again our favorite time of the podcast. It's the Hot Takes. So, again, these are sent in anonymously, and uh, we'll go ahead and we'll uh, discuss some of them. But the first one, um, just a little recap. So, last week, we had a hot take of which which of the four of us, including AJ, would win a 100-meter dash. And uh, I said I was going to run a poll, and I ran a poll. So, here are the <laughs> results from the polls on Instagram and Twitter. So, looking at Instagram, uh, I was first with 57 votes, 48%. Tony was second with 32 votes, 27%. Keith was t- third with... With 20 votes, 20%, and AJ was last with 11 votes and 9%. So looking at Twitter, there are 40 total votes, and it doesn't break it down um, as to how many votes, just gives percentages. I finished first with 63%. AJ was second for 17%. Keith was third for 15%, and Tony was last with 5%. So what are you guys' thoughts on uh, seeing some of these? We were talking about it during the break. I'm telling you right now, that'd be so fun to do that, to actually you know, do that, like you said, as, a, as some kind of – fundraiser thing but uh you know unfortunately just with our with my schedule and aj's schedule we just won't be around um at the time for all four of us to run it this year so um it would be a fun thing to do i was joking around with with uh eddie jimenez talked about doing it in halloween costumes you know (laughs) dressing up like a hot dog like to do at the the ball game football or baseball games i'm sorry um be funny but i think it would be neat to what we got to do is like uh who's that that does that with like frozone guy that starts gives everybody a head start oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. that's from atlanta <laughs> that's, that's that's what, that's maybe, maybe we could do that with uh bryce yeah bryce, bryce could be Br- that frozone guy yeah. <laughs> i i tell you what we got to figure something out maybe we could raise some money for a good cause because i think that would be hilarious uh, to put put bryce in one of those blue all blue suits and just yeah, yeah. Like, hey wait a minute bryce you're gonna have to give us all a head start here <laughs> that would be pretty funny uh, yeah, i don't but, know one of these days we'll have to i think We'll for sure have to put something yeah, together. Man, no, this, Mr. Hearn giving us a good topic that basically we talked about quite a bit <laughs> Friday did, night yeah, and so. after the game and all, all week, really. Except so to give me about three weeks. Awesome. Give me about three weeks heads up so I can <laughs> start preparing a little bit. <laughs> so at least stretch my legs out so I can <laughs> don't pull a hammy. Oh, shoot. But uh, yeah, I, like, I like Keith's idea last week, though. It's like give us like we'll like we'll start at the 60. <laughs> do, do like 60 yards and then we'll take a break. Then we'll run the last 50. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That'd be good to see. Do 50 yards at a time, maybe. Awesome. But. Yes. So we just wanted to bring that up and give uh, give all the listeners a little update. So let's go ahead. We'll move into the rest of the uh, hot takes. First one is Garrett Gurl from Montpelier can be a good quarterback, but he just hesitates at times. 
And uh, though I haven't seen him personally play, I can say that's an issue that we, we tend to see with a lot of quarterbacks is they're just hesitant with it, and they only tend to look at their first read, and that's their only read. Um, I know we've seen multiple games throughout throughout the year where guys just at quarterback lock eyes on yep. their first read right away, and a lot of times it gets intercepted because they don't they right. don't go through their progressions and they look through everything. So, right. uh, what are you guys' thoughts on this one? Uh, me personally is like like you said, Logan. We don't see Montpelier, but just this is where kind of your seven on seven drills during the summer practice and come into come into play i mean if you don't have seven on seven drills just take five of your buddies out a couple of you guys play defense a couple of you guys play offense that way it's not full game 11 on 11 action but at least you can get used to just the just the the the, the visions and the 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 whatnot coming at you so you can have some off-season work and in this something like this will, will help any quarterback out really not just uh, the kid from Mount Billier, but but anybody yeah, just your your off season drills are, are a lot lot to uh, progress into this. Yeah, you know a lot of kids. We talked about this the other day with uh, with AJ that you know a lot of kids nowadays don't. I don't think they play outside like you know like we did. You <laughs> know, Keith, I can talk to Keith because we. I mean, every every fall we were in the backyard running routes and playing ball and we yep. play on two on two. So you learned how to play quarterback mm-hmm. because you took turns, and um, you know so you learned how to throw to the open receiver or throw him open is what I yep. what I say exactly. And, um, you know, and that's where a lot of kids, you know, that I noticed this year with you know, with my eighth grader, um, but man, he's getting better and better every day. But you know, it just takes some time to to get them prepared. And as far as hesitating, if they know the route, you know, if they know their offense and they know where the kids are going to be, and if you watch like the pros and the college guys, they practice so much together, they know where that where they where he's going to be or where that break's yep. going to be, and yeah. that ball's out on the break yep and you know so the hesitation is not there like hey i know this guy's gonna be you kind of look at the defense like yep you know where the defensive guy's gonna be when he breaks makes that outside break that guy's gonna be there exactly and then if you hesitate now now you've given the guy a chance to recover agreed and i was just about to say i mean like when you're talking about that too and you're the quarterback good quarterbacks they throw the ball where where the receiver's going to be right. it's not where they're at right at the time like you said i mean if you hesitate at quarterback and you're locking eyes that ball's picked instantly yep. and i mean that hesitation is just giving that defensive back just that millisecond more just to make that break on the ball and intercept it or deflect it so i think not just only him but i think this is a good conversation for all quarterbacks in the area just to to also be confident in yourself too i mean if you're playing quarterback i mean you're the leader on that offense and you got to have not a sense of cockiness but but that confidence that you're going to make that throw and you're going to complete that pass so yep summer summer is your is your best friend i assure you grab your three four receivers go out to the football field Go go anywhere. Just throw ten yard outs, fifteen yard outs. That way, you see where your your receiver's breaking, what his mannerisms are. Um, this is the best practice, really. Yeah. Then it's just then other than that, then it's just a little, little bit of game film and watch how yep. your defensive guys are reacting. You know, in their films and you know where you can squeeze that ball in, and you'll know by if you've played quarterback enough, you could you'll look out there, you'll know like he's playing him inside, and my out pattern is going to be there. But I got to get it to him quick because, and that's what I tell my guys: is like, listen, you got to a, you got to run a good route as a as a receiver. You want me to throw the ball to you? You got to run a good route. If you're not if you're not open, I ain't throwing it, the yeah, ball. It is actually a yeah. two part. Yeah, uh, I mean, you can't have a receiver that's going to run an, an out, then he kind of a lazy a lazy yeah. out, I guess. Yeah, where he kind of has an oval to it. You need to go break and boom. 
and your quarterback's going to you know, hit you, but and that's the thing I love about football. There's so many components to it. I mean, everyone has to be on the same page in order for a play to go. I mean, you're thinking pass plays, your offensive line has to be blocking and holding up to give that time for the quarterback. Again, like you said, Keith, your receiver has to make those, they have to make those breaks and be on the same page with the quarterback and know their routes and know the schematics and know what to do, whether this guy's playing press coverage or if he's playing off and playing in zone or if he's playing in man, (laughs) or, I mean, there's a lot that's going through your head at whatever (laughs) position. So, uh, I mean, that's something that, that all, positions they just got to that's why it's so important to know your playbook and to know what you're doing and under not not knowing what you're doing on that play but understanding the schematics behind your offensive playbook or defensive playbook because like we've talked in the past too like with your junior high kids it's not always going to be johnny's lining up in a five tech right on you on left tackle what are you going to do when he's lining up uh, in a four eye and you got two mike linebackers up in the a gaps and then that's when stuff hits the fans so, uh, that's what, so i had a kid, i had a kid ask me today coach the my guy's not lined up over top me so who do i go get I always just don't biggest threat. Okay, just know, what are we doing with the ball? I can't tell you to go get him because if I'm not running that play, then that's not who you go get. So don't worry about going to get that guy. Yeah, you know, understand what you're doing, what we're trying to do with the ball, yeah. and then and I try to teach the kids the game. So listen, if we're, if we're trying to run here, then the guy that's going to be here is going to be your biggest threat. If the, if we're running out there, well then this guy's not that big of a threat anymore because we're going way out there. But you know, so it's you know, hesitation as a quarterback. You know, getting back to the to the hot take, the hesitation as a quarterback at times it will kill you. And I think that's um, a little bit. I think we saw a little bit of that with Graziani uh, last yep. Friday night, which may have led to the, the Hornstein pick, mm-hmm. the pick six. I think he, like you said, locked eyes and yep. went right. You know, it was right there, and and Hornstein just saw him go there and just tracked it and and, and got it. Then you know, if you're going to go, you got to go right now. Definitely. Go ahead, go, no, go ahead, Logan. Go ahead, Keith. Yeah, this is um, the kids that show up to practice, for example, Liberty Center kids, Archibald kids, they, the coaches have already put that in their head. You're there to practice like it's a game. Right. You can make the adjustments in practice. So like Tony says, if, if you have a question of, hey, what do I do here, coach? You know what you do when the game comes. When the game comes, the play's already over. You're going to the sidelines getting your butt ream because during <laughs> practice, you didn't ask the coach, what do I do in this situation? Right. That's why coaches preach and preach and preach. Practice like you're going to play. Just yeah. don't practice to go through the motions and show up. You practice like it's a game yeah and i think that's something too the really good coaches in the area especially for high school football are the ones that can teach the why the why behind everything exactly and and i think the really good players are in the area are the ones that ask questions about the why like why am i blocking this person what do i do in this situation with that like you can it's easy to tell you to just go block that kid but but to understand like i said the schematics and everything that's the big thing and i think those are the coaches in the area that really thrive and they really get the most out of their kids it's a different sport but to me one coach which you played for logan coach andy hunter for tenora when when coach hunter was coaching tenora if you came off uh, this is me watching from afar if you watch any player come off when andy was coaching he would bring the player off walk down there to the bench with you. He would turn his back to the game for a good 45 seconds and set you down and, like, give you the positives. And, well, you know, Logan, what he's telling. And, you know, so so Coach Hunter would literally miss 35, 45 seconds of the actual game to talk to the the 
the kid that was coming off to explain to him, hey, here's what what, we're, what we expect and what to do next time. So, yeah, I mean, I do the same thing with our kids. Is it pull a kid out? You see a kid make a mistake, pull him out. Come here, get him, get some yeah. for him right away. Because I, I don't want to wait. You know, talking about hesitation, I don't want to wait as a coach. That's a learning moment. Yep. Something happened. That's a learning moment. I want to, I want to get him out. I want to explain to him, like, let's talk. Let's find out why did you do what you did. Um, and let me explain to you why you shouldn't have done that if right. you did something wrong. And then I want to I want him to go right back in there mm-hmm. because I want to see if if he can you know, if he comprehended what was said. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I try not to keep kids out of the game. And you know, to me, it's the whole teach a man to fish thing. If I tell you to go block that guy, then you're going to go block that guy. Yeah. And if he's not there, like you said earlier, if he's not there, then you're you're kind of in trouble. So, um, yeah, it's, you got to got to teach him the why of the game and understand understanding the game. And sometimes. Especially with the younger levels, just kids. Um, I've, I've been learning over the years yeah. that some of those kids aren't exposed to. You know, I mean, like yeah. we grew up watching football sure. every weekend and yep. all the games and all. This. I mean, just watch, 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 watch. And um, kids nowadays don't do that. Yeah, I think even just looking at this hot take, I, I really like this hot take. That's I mean, awesome. Not that only really is. not only just from Garrett's perspective. I mean, because quarterback is a tough position. Right. I mean, you have to be on your A game all the time. But but again, allowing us to have a really good talking point. So yeah. thanks for sending that one yeah, in. I like that one a lot. That's perfect. Next hot take here. The NWAL will have eight teams in the playoffs when it, within three years. Uh, we discussed off air a little bit and I mean, there's only eight teams in the NWAL. So that means every single team would make the playoffs. And uh, who wants to start with this one? <laughs> I'll start. I just... To have all eight teams in there, they're going to beat themselves up bad enough. Um, they would have to, I mean, I don't know how all eight teams could be in. I mean, you're going to have teams in there that's going to have to have losing records unless they literally all go 500 and just beat, win the game, lose this game, win that game, lose this game, win that game. Um, but, you know, you, I just don't see how they could get all eight teams in there. I I think, too, it would be a long shot, A. Yeah. Um, they would have to win every single non-conference game. And then, again, they'd have to win probably half half the conference games in yeah. order to make the playoffs. But, but again, once you get to conference play, they're going to beat it up. And the odds of them, all the teams winning non-conference and winning half the conference games are, you probably have a better chance of winning the lottery than, than <laughs> every single team in your conference making the playoffs. But, I mean, if you would have asked me a few years ago when there's only eight teams, uh, I would have said – no chance at all, zero percent. But now, I mean, there are sixteen teams per region, so yeah. I mean, there is a there is a chance. So, uh, Keith, do you have any comments on this? Yeah, I think you guys summed it up perfectly. There's, I mean, this year of all years, I mean, if you look at the NWL, your top six are, are actually really decent teams. Evergreens what seventh? Who? I mean, I I think this year you got five to get in. Yeah, I mean, five or five easily, could get in this easily yeah, this year. I mean, you, you get five of them. I, mean, I was trying to look real quick as you guys were talking just to see where yeah. everybody's at. Brian, right? you got Brian at three and four. Archibald six and one. Delta's five and two. Um, Evergreen unfortunately is two and five. But then you look at the Liberty Center seven and zero. Oh. Patrick Henry's four and three. Um, you know, Wasion back on the back on track. They're five and two. Yeah, Wasion's tenth yeah. right now. Brian's your your last. Brian is sixteen. Yeah. So, so there's sixteen. So right there's six of eight this yeah. year. Yeah. So I just don't know how you get the other two in. You know what I mean? They're, they're, yeah. They're, yeah. It's uh, to have eight teams in a, in a conference to make the that's that's asking a lot. It yeah. really is. All right. Let's go ahead. Let's look at the next hot take here. Holgate is the best eight man school in Northwest Ohio. Roster is stacked from top to bottom. Um. 
That, I would have to agree, because there's only two <laughs> eight-man teams in Northwest Ohio. You only have Stryker and Holgate, and Holgate proved that they were the better team that day, and yeah. uh, they, they put a pretty good beat into Stryker. So, um, again, yeah. they definitely have some good athletes. I know quarterback Xavier McCord, we talked about him time and time again. And uh, what are your guys' thoughts on this hot take? I, I agree. I mean, there's you got Holgate and Stryker, and then Holgate just put a whoop into Stryker this past week. So I I have to agree that they're probably the best in Northwest Ohio. If, if not, you know, we'll see what they can do is when it comes to playoffs. And they came off a big win win last week to Fort Wayne Crusaders, were yeah. who were undefeated to that point. And even looking at some of these stats here, um, I have season stats for Holgate uh, through six games. Xavier McCord at quarterback is throwing seventy four percent completions percentage, one thousand two hundred fifty three passing yards. Um, he's got 14 passing touchdowns with four interceptions. So that's that's pretty good uh, from a quarterback. Um, you look at running back, uh, Chris Plotts, um, 70 carries, 460 rushing yards, 6.57 yards a carry, and six rushing touchdowns. So, I mean, that, that's pretty quality too. And you look yeah. at some of the other players, and, uh, I mean, you got receivers like Belmares, who's got 30 receptions on the year, throws in five receiving touchdowns. You have Bacher. Uh, 449 receiving yards, another seven receiving touchdowns. So, um, I mean, I, f- I feel like it's pretty safe to say that, uh, I mean, they have a pretty good team. And then on defense, you have Courser. He's got five sacks, 10 TFLs, and interceptions. So, I mean, they have some dogs that can play on that team. So, absolutely. Keith, do you have anything to add? Uh, yeah, I just don't want this to go the wrong way, I guess. <laughs> um, to. I guess if you're Holgate, yeah, you clearly are. You just you just made the point on the field. You demolished Stryker. So this is where the whole eight-man thing comes in. This is like a whole other discussion. But, yes, to answer your question, yes, they are. But looking to the future, like you see, we talk about building programs all the time. If you're Holgate, you're dropped out of 11-man football. You're dropped out of the GMC. You play eight-man football. You have, uh, look, 21 kids on your roster. Hicksville has 24. What point, if there is a point, if all these younger kids coming up want to play football for Holgate and you wind up with 32 kids, do you still play eight-man football? Or that, that, I mean, I don't That's have a very the good point. So yeah. if you have, say, 30, 32 kids that want to play varsity football for Holgate – can you play eight man football or do you, a, I mean, I don't, I don't have an answer. I was that's, just going to ask that's that. That's my is, question. Is there a rule that says if you have so many athletes in your team, you have to play 11 man or I, is it, if you had, you could have 50 kids on your team and play eight man. I mean, I don't know if there's a, no, that's a really good point. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, I'm curious myself because I, uh, I looked over and saw Keith brainstorming. <laughs> yeah. So I knew he had, he had something, uh, something I, rolling up there. Well, it's a good point. Too, it is. It is a, a very good point. You know, I, again, like you said, Hicksville has how many? 24? 21. 20, Holgate. Or yeah, no, no. Holgate has 21. Hicksville has 24. 24. Yes. So, I mean, I mean, if you look at that, I mean, how would Hicksville do if they were playing eight man? You know, I mean, they're, they're taking their lumps and, um, you know, they're getting beat up playing, you know, 11 man. So do they drop to eight man and, and drop out of the GMC and go to eight man? And now you got three teams playing. But, you know, we talked about this early on in the year that a lot of the teams out there are struggling to get numbers. I mean, they are. You know, Tenora was right at the 40 number, and then kids were hurt and missing, you know. And so Tenora took, you know, was down, I think yeah. we counted, what, down eight players, I think, at the beginning of the season because everybody was hurt and nope. nursing injuries back from last year and all that stuff. So, um, 
you know, just you just you're kind of scraping. So when you when you go play Division three, like we <laughs> or Division, I'm sorry, Division six, you know, you're or Division five, even you're, you're looking at like teams like Liberty Center and Arch. Those guys, like Liberty Center, had what sixty some kids in their team, and you're playing them with thirty. Yeah, that's a huge, huge difference. We're yeah. seeing that. Now I'd be curious to see like what are the rules or what are the stipulations that allow you to play right. eight man. I'd yep. be curious. Maybe we could look that up one for next year, episode. Hopefully one of the coaches out there can send Logan an answer to that, please, because it actually it's yeah. it's we're curious. I mean that's yeah, yeah it's absolutely. Very good. I mean that's a that's a valid point. Yep. It's like at what point do you draw the line? Like how do you is it up to the school that picks? I mean, obviously you can't have like sixty kids and go out for eight man probably. Right. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> or maybe what, you can. I don't right. know. It because Definitely. like if you know, if you're a Holgate kid, say you were in fifth grade and you were in the GMC and you get demolished every week fifty six to nothing and I ain't playing, you know, that's no fun to me. But now say you're a sophomore and now you're playing eight man and now you're on your other end yeah and you're winning games 56 to 8 i want to go f- have fun and take part in this so <laughs> now yeah. you have a lot more kids going out for football which is awesome for for holgate right so yeah so if, if anyone listening out there or watching go ahead and let us know i mean honestly absolutely. we're curious on uh where you how how that's determined so absolutely uh let's move on to the next point uh, another good uh topic here uh, we actually had it for last week, but we saved it for this week because uh, we are going a little long last week. But uh, this hot take was changing divisions due to competitive balance is a great idea. And we had this, some discussion last week. And we almost thought, too, we were kind of talking, I mean, if there's some way that you could take like a couple years uh, like sample of a team and throw it in with some computer points and stuff like that, if you could generate some kind of – obviously, it would have to be based on objective data – to regroup you, say, like, for instance, Tenor, okay, say that they lose the next couple of years and they're doing terrible, hypothetically speaking. Right. And they're, they're in Division Five right now, and you talk about their numbers. Say their numbers are really low. Maybe that drops them down to D6 or D7 where they can compete and have a better chance for a title, whereas, I mean, you look at it the other end, too, like Marion Local, they're, I think they're Division Six this year, but, I mean, they're going out smoking everyone. I mean, they're beating Division Three teams. Yeah, they, right. they beat, like, they beat teams like Wapakoneta. They, I mean, it's just yeah. crazy. But I think, I think that would be – that's it's an interesting point because I think that would make your playoff systems way more competitive. I mean, I think that would be that'd yeah. be pretty exciting because now it's <laughs> enrollment by boys. Yeah, correct. Yes. So yeah, yeah, you guys. I mean, this is it's basically they, straight, it's not straight enrollment, but it's yeah. I mean, it goes by the number of kids you have in your class, right? Yeah. If you only get thirty out of one hundred and fifty to come out. That's not giving you know that's that's the thing with Marion local. You get yeah. you, you know you've got one hundred and fifty boys, but. 101 of them play football. Yeah. It seems like, you know, um, you know, they, and Marion local doesn't have that many, um, you know, cause they're division seven. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, so they probably have like a hundred, 110. And, and, you know, you look at their, <laughs> they go out on the field, they've got 60, 70 kids. Same thing with Liberty center. Liberty center is a great example. You know, they're, they're the same, same division as us and as Tenora. And, you know, they had 60, three kids, 68 kids, they had roster, a ton of whatever kids it was. I mean, a bunch, a you know, and, and, you know, when you start looking at that as a as a as a whole, like you were saying, Logan, a competitive balance, and kind of looking at it, and you know, over a three year period, Sonora ha- has averaged uh, thirty five kids on their team. Mm-hmm. Um, do you is that what the competitive balance? I mean, I try trust me, I try to look into this competitive balance thing. I looked at that the, the calculations. I'm not even sure how it works. It's it's a 
it, to me, it looks complicated, but everybody's like, oh yeah, it's easy, but it looked really hard to figure out how you do it. And it's like for every kid, something, you get a zero, then you get a one, then you get a two, you know, um, I was trying to figure it out, but it was way more in depth than I wanted to try to figure out. But, you know, do you do that? Like, like a team like Marion local that has 70 kids that come out every year, do you move them up to a division five? Right. Because they have 70 kids that play football. And they continue to make state semifinals and state championships <laughs> yeah. year after year after year in these in the smaller division. But it's like, right now, I, I just think, too, like you guys brought up, like right now the divisions are based off enrollment of boys at, at the school. So it's right. like, is that really a good determining factor of what division you should be in? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like like you said, I mean. Yeah, there's the, the competitive balance is in there, at least what it looked like from what I could tell. Because, like, each school – the and I'll talk softball for a minute because, you know, being a softball coach, I got the new divisions this year and some of the teams moved up, some teams moved down based mm-hmm. on competitive balance. Um, and like I said, I don't, it's hard for me to figure out how that number came into play, but like, let's say you had 135 kids and then give you a competitive balance of, you know, negative, negative five, you know, or whatever, or plus four, then you moved you up. And then um, sometimes it mattered, sometimes it didn't. But you know, on a couple of those teams, and for instance, uh, Wayne Trace, uh, girls uh, softball team, they, they moved up a division uh, okay. this year. So um, they'll be up in division three with us instead of division four. And, um, it, you know, I don't know how it works. And I wish somebody could explain it in, in kind of layman's terms to me. That's why I understood it a little bit better. But um, I think th- doing a competitive balance could be a great idea. Is it a great idea? I don't know. I don't. I don't know enough about it to understand it. Completely. Like you said too, it could, I feel like it could get to the point where it's very complicated, and it's like, where do you draw the line as far as what data you're collecting? Like you said, do you take like a, th- a three-year sample of like how that team did the last couple of years, and or do you take a five-year? You know what I mean? Like where where do you where do you stop? Like yeah, as I don't far know. As like like I said, I was trying to I was trying to read it, and it was there was something about you got like a plus zero, and then you had a plus one. I could pull it back up my phone. I'm sure it's still there, but. Um, and I don't know how they determined, you know, like by the number of boys you had on your team and then something, and you had a plus one or if the, like I said, it was hard to, hard for me to understand, but I think competitive balance could be a good thing. Um, I guess we'll have to, I mean, uh, I think it's fairly new. Yeah. They're doing it, like I said, at least on the, the girls side, I remember seeing it in the columns where they, and actually I could probably pull it up. On my and email, I guess I didn't so. even realize they were already incorporating something like that into the current, um, like yeah. some of the some of the sporting events here, but I I think they're talking about more or less for football going more ex, more extensive into that competitive balance. Because right. just 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 kind of eyeballing, I was I took uh, to me two of the biggest rosters in the NWAL, Archibald and Liberty Center, which are both Division Five. They appear to have at least seventy kids on their active football roster. Then you compare just because we're familiar with Sonora. Moved into Division Five this year had looked like thirty eight, thirty nine kids. So, you know, you got those two Division Five teams with seventy kids. Obviously, all of them don't play clearly, but then you have Tenora with thirty eight, thirty nine, forty, or whatever it is, and you throw them in the same division just because of enrollment. Like you guys are speaking, enrollment per boys per but could you but i could play devil advocate here and say okay so tenora and archbold and liberty center are all in the same division but maybe maybe it goes about coaching in the program like you Absolutely, know what i mean like yes, i mean so like 100 like look at marion local like yep. he's his their head yep. coach has been there for years and he has yep. built such a good culture yep. there and i mean he doesn't even i i doubt that he 
even has to go out and try to recruit no, kids to come I think, out. I mean, kids just want to go in. And I think, too, I think a lot of that, I mean, you see that in Archbold and Liberty Center. Like, those are his, historically good programs yeah. and historically good coaches, and they continue to do a nice job year after year. And I, I think that allows those numbers to come out. But it's like, where do you draw the line? I think there, there, there is something going on here with their – there can be a little bit better realignment of divisions to allow for, for, for better um, competition right. between schools. Yep. But it's like, what, what is the right answer? Yeah. I was trying to, I was trying to find the email where they sent me the new uh, alignment for softball and it shows it in there. And I was going to try to just bring that up so we could look at it, but yeah, it, it's, um, you know, you know, you got a coach that's out there doing the right things and being successful year after year. Do you, do you punish him for being doing the right yeah, things? Yeah, I mean that's you know true I mean? too. <laughs> it's like, hey, just because I'm doing my job right. and get the yeah, job done doesn't mean you punish yeah. me and move yep. me up a division. Yeah, like but, if you go out win a state uh, championship, do you move yeah. up? You know what I mean? I mean? Like to me, I think it's got to be based on somehow. It's got to be based on numbers and not necessarily numbers of enrollment because you could have 200 kids in your class, you know, yeah. in your school, and, and have 30 kids playing football. And if you only put out 30 kids playing football for three years in a row that's where I think the number ought to be drawn. Then if, if you all of a sudden you have a couple of classes that where you put 60 kids out, they reevaluate that at like every three years or um, I'm trying to remember. I can't remember when they do it for like softball. I think it's every two years they reevaluate so. your divisions. Yep. So if they did that and did it that way, based on the number of kids you have playing for you versus overall enrollment in the school, just because I have 150 kids doesn't mean they're all playing football. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're trying to make, oh, you're division five because you have 150 kids in your school and you're playing, you don't, you don't have the talent or, you know, to pull, to pull from like those other schools do. Um, I don't know. It, it could be a good thing though. Yeah. If they do it right. Yeah. I was uh, looking for actually as when you guys were talking, Kirtland's another one that popped into my head. They're division, oh, yeah. they're division six and they have. It's kind of like one of those clown cars. Kids just keep coming out of the <laughs> yeah. car. Like, where are all these kids coming from? They, uh, at least according to Max Preps, now sometimes that's not accurate, but according to this, they have 88. Wow. I, I mean, that would have surprised me too. That, that's another program. Yeah. What, similar. It's, it's all those Max schools. I think, I think once you hit the freshman level, the, once you come into the office, you get your books, you pay your fees, then you go and you get your football helmet and jersey. <laughs> I think yeah. that's the way it works. It goes right down the line. They're just <laughs> yeah. handing it to you right away. So... <laughs> Get your schedule and uh, hey, here's your uniform and your your helmet and there are no questions <laughs> at, at all. Practice starts at uh, seven a.m. tomorrow. <laughs> I think you know the competitive balance thing. From what I read, I just pulled it back up here. Um, it talks about like tier one or tier zero, tier one, tier two, um, and then like each your, your assigned numbers or something. And you know, for public schools, it says determining tiers. You ask, does the student and at least one parent currently reside in your school district? If the answer is yes, you're a tier zero. If no, um, then you ask them if they've been in there since seventh grade. And if they answer yes, then they're a tier one. And what I don't understand was what 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 does that matter? I don't know. What to, that's why I couldn't understand. And this yeah. this is what <laughs> the actual title of this thing it comes from OHSA says says competitive balance one hundred and one. <laughs> Huh. Well, maybe I need the maybe I need the one hundred and one A. Maybe I need the one hundred and one A class. I, I still couldn't figure it out, but um, it was kind of hard to understand. But um, you know, when it comes to football, it says any football players in grades ten through twelve listed on any roster, including those who did not play in a regular season contest last later transferred became ineligible. Blah, plus any ninth grade student who played in a varsity regular season football contest uh, must annually be entered in the rostering system and assigned a specific tier. 
So it sounds like they're trying to do kind of like I was talking about, where they're trying to find out the kids that were on rosters that they actually played, how many kids played, that kind of thing, and they're signing numbers to them. But I just didn't quite understand all of it. Okay, but yeah, give us give us Brayt Martin and have him. Have <laughs> yeah, that too. Put him have like column X Y Z or something as formula that he something. Has. Yeah. Oh, well, that was a good hot take though. I yeah, mean, definitely yeah. generate some conversations. Two so. have been great. Right? Yeah. All right, let's go ahead. Let's move on to the next one. Paulding or Hicksville plays Tenora tough. No passing game at all equals loading the box. <laughs> well, who for you that sent this in, we've been talking about that all year. And yeah. I mean, if you play a team that's one dimensional, you're going to stop what they're good at. And uh, I think that's one thing we, we kind of discussed earlier that I think give Tenora a little bit more time. And uh, I, I think they're going in the right direction. It's just taking a little bit of time and trusting the process, but they're they're moving towards developing and they're trying their best to develop that passing game. So teams can't just put all eleven in the box and stop yeah. the run. Because I mean, we well, saw that firsthand against Wayne Trace. I mean, they, they came out <laughs> in the second half and their linebackers were filling in the A and B gaps, and there was nowhere to go. Um, but anyways, uh, what do you guys is uh, what do you guys have to say on this one? Yeah. We saw it against Ayersville. They had nine in the box at one time. They had a yeah. safety deep and one guy out over the wide receiver. That was it. Everybody else was inside the tackles. Um, and, you know, it's an order that needs to develop. We've talked about it time and time again. Developing that, developing their offense, and, and a passing game is part of it. You have to be able to throw the ball a little bit at least yeah. to keep defenses honest. And yep. um, Paul Dinner Hicksville plays Sonora tough. I Hicksville seems like they, oh, this, they always kind of played Sonora tough. Yep. Um, you know, Paul Dean, I don't know. I haven't seen them play, but they've been doing – okay this year and, and putting points up so um i could see both those teams playing tough especially if tenor can't get the ball you know in the air right um it's it, it makes it a little easier and or get the running backs into space like we kind of talked yeah. earlier you you can't keep pounding the ball between the tackles if they're going to put 10 right. guys in there yep. i mean mm-hmm. just you got to get the ball out in space um let your running backs run get you know cole anders we talked about a little bit friday night keith that Cole Anders had some big runs last year, um, broke off some big runs in some key spots and, yeah. and uh, was key for Tenor at a, at a couple times. And then um, this year he's been kind of non-existent. We've tried to run the like a little inside reverse or something with him and just hasn't gone anywhere. Um, but, you know, we started out Friday night and then they tried to get Edwards out into space and, and uh, then we kind of went away from it right away. Yep. Yeah, I think Cole Anders, too, you made a good point. It's a weapon I'd like to see Tenora try to utilize a little bit more. I think, like you said, we saw him break off a lot of different runs and plays. He's an explosive and dynamic player, but he, I feel like he just hasn't had quite the opportunities as he did last year. Yeah. And and when you run the the same play with the same player over and over, teams kind of know they pick up on that on the scouting <laughs> yeah, report. Right. So, um, Keith, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, Cole last year, I think, who had that nice run in the last uh, probably four minutes versus Lipsick. And then uh, pretty much had the same run against Antwerp, I believe, for a touchdown. I which, believe so, yeah. So, yeah. Um, but we saw Friday, uh, Graziani, obviously, he's going to be the quarterback for the next three games for the Rams. Um, boy, oh, boy, his kid's got an arm. Yeah, <laughs> he, he does. He, he does. throw the ball through a brick wall. Probably one of the stronger arms since Brevin or even Landon Travis. I mean, he's throwing the ball 45, 50 yards in the air at times and yeah. with a slight breeze. So yeah. he's got the arm uh, just – Probably a week of practice with the with the ones this week, and we'll see what. Uh, um, he had good poise in the pocket. I thought he did a great job in the yeah, pocket. He, you know, he was getting pressured and stepped yep. right up there. You know, stepped right up into the pocket a couple times and threw the ball. And yep. um, again, kind of, I've mentioned like Friday night, kind of Baker Mayfield ish. He's kind of up there and he's getting scrambled, getting pulled down, and turns it off. Next thing you know, he's free. He's running across yeah, and he's, he got open and was able to get the ball off. But um, 
but you know, it's a, I, I do believe in the hot take that if Paul Dean Hicksville is going to play Tenor tough um, if, if they don't establish the passing game. All right. Let's go ahead. Let's move on. We've got a couple more hot takes here. Um, if North Central had a more effective passing game, they would be a top 10 team. Um, I think that that one, yes, if, if they, they did have a passing game, we know that they love to run the rock over there. Um, again, like we talked about, to be a successful team, I mean, yes, you can, you per se, you can just run the rock or you can pass the ball too. But I feel like the ones that really thrive are the ones that can mix it up and they, they can complement each other. I mean, you say you, you start running the, the rock and then you follow it up with a, a play action, which you hit the big ball over, over the middle. And I feel like those are the teams that really thrive. So uh, what are your guys' uh, opinions on this one? I, I don't know a lot of – I watched North Central, but – like you just said, Logan, it's the uh, same thing as we just talked about with Tenora. Develop a passing game to go along with your running game, and it's just going to make your running game that much better. And and I think, too, just looking at that, um, we had another hot take thrown in there. North Central needs more love, and that's what someone sent in. But, it's again, it's like that kind of goes back to your point, Tony. Like it's, it's hard to get information about North Central because, A, they're a new program. B, right. they're kind of – out there <laughs> i mean there's not as much coverage of them right. and, and yep. I, I mean i've tried to put stuff out too and if anyone listening if you have any information on north central football feel free to send it to me because we'd love to talk about them more but it's just it's so hard to access like i tried hitting up some different social media pages of north central but uh, i i think too going back to the first hot take um again um i th- i think they 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 run the ball a because it's definitely, I feel like, easier, especially once you're establishing an offense for a first-time program to just hand the ball off and, and run it rather than all your different routes, all your different receivers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, as far as that. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the, the basis of your offense, you should at least have a good run game. Yep. And if you can develop that, then your kind of pass game will fall along as well. So, right. um, Keith, do you have anything to add? No. As far as far as that, you guys both nailed it on the head. Your follow-up was, I think, honestly, we've been some of the biggest supporters of North Central, yeah. honestly. Yeah. I mean, we've been nothing but, but I mean, pulling, we tried to, we try to talk North to North Central. Yeah, we try to talk about them as much as we can. But, again, yeah. it's just hard to access, like, yep. true stats and yep. information like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think North Central, I, th- I definitely think they would probably have a little bit better of a year. But I mean, honestly, I, if if you're telling me that North Central again first year program is five and two, I would say I'm pretty happy. <laughs> I for wouldn't. That. I don't think there's any complaints whatsoever for no. <laughs> your five and two on a, on a first year varsity program. Yeah, definitely. You know how many teams that have had varsity programs for twenty years that would love to be five and <laughs> yes, two? Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. So we'll go ahead. We'll move on to the last hot take here. Uh, PH defense. Three exclamation points, as in how many will they give up this week? And I think this was from the same person that was sending us how good their defense was in weeks past. But, uh, again, they, they gave up quite a few points this past week to uh, Wasion. But, uh, man, oh, man, how the, how the tides have turned. I mean, just all of a sudden in three – I mean, the last two games, I mean, they gave up 42 and then turned around to Wasion, gave up 38, and they had been doing so great. Yeah. Um, and the loss of Columbus Grove was seven points, and then they only gave up seven to Swanton, zero to Evergreen, and then all of a sudden, boom. Um, you know, I just gave up 42 and 38 back-to-back. Wow. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't snickering. I was snickering at the comment because we talked about yeah. it. It was uh, the, the same person was, you know, yeah. like uh, the best defense in Northwest Ohio, and now all of a sudden it's like to complete their barely yeah. yeah. pulling water in a strainer <laughs> just going through. But, yeah. Uh, 
Uh, you you want to know how many points they give up? I, I think they're going to give up at least 30 to Liberty Center. I think Liberty Center's been – they've been rolling. Um, you know, they, they've scored almost 30 a game other than the game to Seagull and the game to Archbold, and they've been putting up big points. So I think they're going to give – PH is probably going to give up another 30. Yeah, I think that's just one of those things. I think PH just needs to come out and play Liberty Center tough. I mean, we know Liberty Center is a very good team. Yep. Do I think – and we'll get into it in the game predictions, yeah. but but do I necessarily think PH is going to win that game? Probably not. But again, it's just a matter of their their defense has been struggling here as of late. If they can come out, if they can hold, like I said, Liberty, like you were saying, Liberty Center to under at least thirty points, I would say that that's. I know there's no such thing as a moral victory, but right, I mean, as right. in terms of getting your defense established again and uh, continuing to produce um, in the weeks to come, so. Yep. Let's go ahead. Well, that concludes our hot takes. And again, continue to send those in. We, we appreciate it. So uh, that was two very good talking points. We could talk about those. Two oh, yeah, points, easily. Like the, the two, those two topics forever. For I'm sure. Sorry, those are great. That's like we said, too. We got to try to keep the podcast under two hours because <laughs> after two hours, we lose interest. And I think everyone else loses interest. It's just it's, it's a lot of talking, especially on a late Tuesday night. Yeah. So uh We'll go ahead. We'll move into the week eight uh, game predictions. So uh, let's go ahead, and I'll start. Archbold six and one at Swanton one and six, and uh, I think this one uh, Archbold's going to come out and they're going to win big. I mean, Archbold or Swanton just had a uh, pretty bad loss to Delta, who threw up seventy on them. I think Archbold comes out and uh, hands them another loss, unfortunately. But uh, I'm going the blue streaks on this one. Yeah, this is probably be an ugly game uh taking the streaks and since aj's not here i will announce aj's pick and bryce's pick so aj had archbold i got archbold and bryce had archbold as well so archbold across the board from all of us next game delta five and two at wasion five and two and this one honestly <laughs> this is a pretty good game i mean i know it's not necessarily going to have um t- nwal title contention or or um kind of value to it but again it's just a good game if you're in the area go ahead and uh, watch this game um looking at this game from the just looking at it face value but two teams five and two um but again it's at wasion um boy did i i I really was back and forth between the two i had a hard time and you know delta has that that good rushing attack wasion's really developed their passing game with the, the change at quarterback but at the end of the day, I, I'm, I'm leaning a little bit more towards Wasion. But it would not surprise me or shock me any bit if Delta came out and won. But I'm going Wasion Indians on this game. Yeah, very, very valid point, Slogan. I took Wasion. Wasion appears to be playing better every week for the past three weeks ever since the change at quarterback. Nothing against McLeod. I mean, it's just uh, Parsons seems to be playing uh, a little better. AJ had Wasion. I had Wasion. And Bryce had Wasion. So Wasion across the board for all of us. Next game, Liberty Center 7-0 at Patrick Henry 4-3. Again, we kind of discussed this a little bit before. Um, I think if Patrick Henry can come out and at least make this game competitive, um, I think that will be good for the program at this point in the season. But, but again, we've seen Liberty Center play, and, uh, man, they are firing in all cylinders, offense, defense, special teams, everything. Um they, they're. I honestly think they're a true state title com, uh, contender. Um, if they can just get out of the region, I think if they like, like we said before, if you get out of Division Five, Region Eighteen, you're yeah. winning probably state yeah. and Division Six. Yeah. But uh, I'm going Liberty Center, and uh, I think they win by uh, at least uh, three scores. Yeah, I think uh, uh, Liberty Center is just one of those teams that 
if you're on the other end of the spectrum, you're on the defense of Patrick Henry, you know what's coming. Um, can you stop it? Because they're not going to do anything flashy. Um, Liberty Center is going to line up and say, stop us. And if you can, tip your hat. If not, then you're going to go home with an L. So uh, taking the Tigers. Tigers for me. AJ had Liberty Center or Bryce had Liberty Center. So Liberty Center across the board. Next game is going to be our NWO Sports Game of the Week, and it's a big one. And uh, this is uh, possibly probably the matchup maybe of the year, depending on how things play out. But uh, for the champion of the Green Meadows Conference, it's Antwerp 7-0 and at Ayersville 6-1. and And, wow, this is another game I kind of looked at and I thought back and forth. I mean, Ayersville's playing really well right now. And uh, Antwerp still, they have those athletes. I mean, Carson Altimus, Reed Leachtee, Landon Brewer, Sears Gale. I mean, the list goes on and on for them. But then you have Ayersville. I mean, you have Tyson Schlachter. You have Blake Hollenstein. You have Owen Berner, Brady Clark. I mean, the list goes on and on there. And uh, this one, honestly, I I like what I saw a little bit more this year because I was able to see Antwerp out of quarterback play. I know they're both very good quarterbacks, but Carson Ultimus, man, does he have an arm. I mean, there was throws he was making at that Tenora game. The ball was in the air forever. Ever and it was like <laughs> almost like forty hard passes yeah. and uh, he was threading the needle, especially with the receiver like uh, like Landon Brewer. I mean, you get a kid that's like six two ish, and uh, I don't I don't know if that's his exact height, but right. he's a taller wide receiver. And we saw Tenor's defensive backs struggle with that, and uh, I think that's going to be a big problem for Ayersville coming up. So uh, um, I'm going to go Antwerp this game, um, but I think it's close. So I'm going the Antwerp Archers. Yeah, I think you hit every valid point. Look, we saw them both play. Um, Antwerp is, if they were to get behind, I think they have the offense that's not really going to flinch. They're just going to be like, hey, we're just going to load them up, saddle them up, and we're going to go get them. Um, if it's a high-scoring game, I don't know that Ayersville can keep up with Antwerp. Like, if it's going to be 45 to 28, for example, I would – Without knowing the victor, I would say Antwerp would have the forty-five. Is this? They're, they're more diversified on offense. They can hit. They got three or four receivers. They got Leasty at running back. Um, they're just. I don't think you can key on one person and shut the Antwerp offense down. Plus, also Ultimus can run, <laughs> which, yeah. which we didn't see much when he played Tenora. Uh, but Ayersville have uh, Austin at quarterback. Burner at running back. You got two decent receivers. So, but I just think Antwerp's uh, offense just a little more high powered than uh, than Ayersville. So I I took I took Antwerp, but I want to see where they're going to pull the media at. at I know we're that's talking, my, there's going to be a lot question. of coverage at that game. So <laughs> Raphael is going to have to build a couple tents over there. <laughs> Something because it, I mean that's going to be a packed house. It's going to be chilly that, too. Friday. That's going to be a good game to be at. Yes, and, uh, absolutely, definitely. So. Well, um, you know, you guys went uh, went all Antwerp, and I'm I'm going against the grain here. I'm going to Ayersville. I think Ayersville, um, if they're looking for a game film to study, they're going to pull the Tenora Antwerp game, and they're going to look and see what Tenora did to stop Ultimus from running the ball. Yeah. And um, again, I think if Ayersville can contain him from getting out and running around a lot. But you know, I agree. You know, Ultimus has got a cannon for an arm, and I think he's going to be. He's going to be hard to beat, but I think Ayersville is going to get after him a little bit. And um, I just – I don't think Antwerp's going to be able to stop Ayersville's running game. I, I, that's that's what I think is going to be the difference. Sometimes the best offense is a good defense. 
Mm-hmm. It is. And sometimes sometimes the, uh, the best the best offense is to keep your offense on the field and keep their mm-hmm. offense off the field. Yeah. And I think that's going if I if if my prediction's correct and Ayersville wins, Ayersville wins in time of possession big time. Yeah. And they keep off they keep Ayersville's offense off the field. Mm-hmm. But I think in my heart, I think Liberty Center is going to be the only undefeated team after this week. And then we're going to see a shakeup in the GMC and see what happens. Yeah. I mean, I, I, those are all valid points. And I think one thing, too, is uh, I know we kind of talked about Blake Honstein as a quarterback, but I think he's going to be a difference maker again, like I said before, on the defensive side of things. I mean, bringing four picks into the game. And, I mean, you need someone like that, especially with some of the receivers that uh, that Antwerp has. I mean, you have Parker Moore, too, and he's another good one. And, right. uh I mean, they hit, they even hit Reed Leachty on, on some passes too yeah. out of the backfield. So I mean, they're going to need all they can get out of their defensive backs and secondary to yeah. uh, help stop that uh, Antwerp passing attack. So yeah. definitely a busy time over there at Ayersville this week, uh, scamming for the <laughs> figuring everything out. Definitely, <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, looking at the last pick here, uh, Bryce had Antwerp, and uh, so Antwerp from all of us except for Tony. So uh, Tony might uh, gain some points from that one if Ayersville pulls it off. So. Next game, Wayne Trace, 2-5 and five at Fairview, 0-7. Um, Fairview's continued to struggle this year. And we saw Wayne Trace, and they're not a bad team, but uh, I, I think I'm going to go the Raiders this one, and I think they win uh, handedly. I'm with you, Logan. I got uh, Raiders. Go Raiders. Raiders. AJ had Wayne Trace and Bryce had Wayne Trace, so Wayne Trace from all of us. Next game, Hicksville, 1-6 at Edgerton, 6-1. and one. Uh, I know Hicksville's coming off a, a big win, but uh, – I think Edgerton's going to put a, a stomp into their uh, to their uh, their winning uh, parade. So uh, I think Edgerton wins this one, and they win pretty big, especially playing at a place like Edgerton uh, down in that little valley. That's hard to win at, yep. um, especially Corey Everts, and he's a name we haven't heard for a while. So I think he's due for a big game. So uh, I think uh, Edgerton wins pretty easily. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I took the dogs. Yeah, bulldogs for me. AJ had Edgerton and Bryce had Edgerton, so Edgerton across the board. Next game, Tenora four and three at Paulding one and six, and uh, we discussed it a little bit in the hot takes. Um, I think Paulding makes it difficult for Tenora. I mean, I really do. Um, Tenora's kind of down right now; they're without some key players, and uh, I think uh, I think at the end of the day, though, I think Tenora has just enough to pull it off, and uh, I think they get the win and they walk out of Paulding. I'm going Tenora. Yeah, I got you, Logan. I got the Rams, too. I think um, talent-wise, Tenora, at least offensively, you got Dock and House and Edwards should be enough to carry the Rams to victory. Yeah, and defensively, we didn't we didn't really talk about it much during the Yearsville game. I didn't even mention his name, but Javen Gaines, man, dude, uh, he twice. has been a beast the last yep. two games since he came back. He was definitely a factor in the Yearsville game, I, be- or, I believe. Yep. Um, you know, just unfortunately, he doesn't <laughs> – he can't throw the ball and run the ball. And maybe he could, or maybe <laughs> he could run the ball. I don't know. He put it back in the backfield. Maybe he could run the ball. But, um, you know, he was definitely a factor. He's, he definitely was a big, big component and stuff in that run for Ayersville. So, yeah, I think the, the Rams are going to be victorious. They're going to get things kind of back to somewhat normalcy there and, and, and trying to move forward. Those boys, like you said, Keith, getting some getting some practice with the ones, and, and uh, they'll, tomorrow will be fine. And Bryce and AJ both had Tenora, so Tenora from all of us. Next game, Salina five and two at Defiance five and two. Again, this is another big game in the area. So uh, if you're out and about, go ahead and stop by and watch this one. It's Defiance's homecoming game. Uh, both teams are playing pretty well right now, but uh, I like Defiance a lot more at this point. I mean, they're riding that win streak. They're, I mean, 
they're starting to get some talk around the community, you know, some hype build up. Um, I really like their their weapons on offense and defense and special teams. I I'm I'm a big Bulldogs fan right now, and I'm going defiance. So yeah. I, I think that, I think it wouldn't shock me if they beat Salina pretty handily. So I, I agree 100%. Logan, uh, yeah, if you're in defiance and you haven't seen the game in the last five six years, get out there and uh, support Coach Cooper and the Dogs. That's uh, a whole new face for that program right yep. now. So yep, I took defiance. Yep, defiance for me as well. And defiance from AJ and Bryce. Uh, next game, Anthony Wayne six and one at Napoleon three and four. Um, I think this is a tough matchup. Uh, Anthony Wayne's coming off a tough loss to Perrysburg uh, last week, which honestly I saw that too. It was the first sellout ever. Uh, yeah, Anthony Wayne, which to sell out a high school game, people everywhere. That is pretty <laughs> impressive to actually sell out a high school football that's, game. That's which, almost impossible. Yeah, which is that is pretty crazy. So I would have loved to be at that game. But anyways, how many is that? Uh, I actually believe they, it was, uh, I think, somewhere around 5,500. Yeah. Wow. They, they, Anthony crowd. Wayne, I think. I, I want to say, because they released the number, I think it was right around there, roughly. Wow. So, so, I mean, could you imagine that many people being at a, one of the games we're at? Yeah. I mean, that's That would be amazing <laughs> atmosphere to play in. This yeah. reminds me of back when you, you, guys, you guys were making your tournament run. There's yeah, a lot of yeah. people at those games, you yeah. know, stands were packed. Yeah. yeah, I think the Anthony Wayne AD had a couple of photos of, on their Twitter account, and there was just people everywhere. That would it was, be awesome it was, to it play was, in. It was amazing, but... But anyways, the game here, uh, I think Napoleon's just kind of have their hands full. I know it's at home, but uh, Anthony Wayne is one heck of a team, and uh, I think they beat Napoleon pretty easily. So I know we like to root on Napoleon, but, again, I think Anthony Wayne's going to be too much for him. Yeah, without especially without Blake Wolf back there at quarterback, I think Anthony Wayne uh, pulls away. I agree with that. And – Bryce and AJ both had Anthony Wayne. And like we said, too, I mean, I know Andrew Williams is a good player, but you can only rely on him so much. I mean, he he's a dog. But, yeah. but at the end of the day, you got to have all 11 guys playing uh, their best ability to beat a very good Anthony Wayne team. So yeah. um, moving on to the next game, Van Wert 6-1 and one at Kenton 1-6. and six. Um, I think this one's a no-brainer. Van Wert has continued to play very well week after week. Other than that one hiccup they had against Wapakoneta, yep. which still is kind of crazy to fathom how that game ended. Um, but I think Van Wert wins this one pretty easily. So going Van Wert. Yep, taking the Cougars. Yep, Cougars for me. Van Wert also from Bryce and AJ. So Van Wert from all of us. Next game, Ottawa Glendorf 1 and 6 at Lima Shawnee 1 and 6. Um, I thought about this one. So. Uh, <laughs> I picked Ottawa Glandorf last week. I'm going Ottawa Glandorf again. So you guys need a win, and not only for yourselves, but to help get some points for me too. So I'm going Ottawa Glandorf. Uh, shoot, that's awesome. Well, I took the Titans as well. They just seem to be just a couple of plays away from actually victory. They so. are. They're so close yep. every single yep. week. It's like I'd love to see them just get yep. over and get a win. So, yep. so yep, take an OG. Um, I went against the Green and went Lima Shawnee. I. I agree with you guys. They're close, and they're just in, they're in there plugging away. But, you know, it was just one of those games where I think I might be able to sneak out a win here and then uh, gain, gain a point back after the after the last week. So we'll see. And we were pretty split on this game. Bryce had Lima Shawnee as well uh, with Tony, but uh, A.J. had OG. Next game, St. Paul 5-2 and two at Eden 4-3. and three. Uh, I think – Eden's still pretty young. Um, I know they're, they're, they've been showing some improvement throughout the season, but I think uh, St. Paul uh, nips uh, the Eden Bombers in this one. So I'm going St. Paul. Yeah, just doing a little research on this. Uh, 
I think St. Paul probably uh, has a little bit more than Eden. St. Paul for me. And AJ had St. Paul, but Bryce, would have, he went against the grain and had Eden. So uh, I don't know. Bryce's uh, strategy paid off pretty good last week, so we'll see how it does this week. <laughs> Next game, Ottawa Hills 5-1 and one at Montpelier 2-5. and five. Um, I think Ottawa Hills is just going to be a little too much for Montpelier. Um, I'd love to see Montpelier win, but uh, Ottawa Hills has some pretty good athletes, so I'm going Ottawa Hills. Yep, taking uh, Ottawa Hills. And Ottawa Hills for me. And Ottawa Hills from Bryce and AJ. Next game, Hilltop 1-6 and six at North Central 5-2. and two. And I'm actually kind of glad to see this game um, just to see North Central play a team that we cover and it's right. in Northwest Ohio. Um, that sense, but I think North Central ends up winning this game and uh, I think they make a statement in this win. So uh, go North Central. Yep, right with you. North Central. Same here. And Bryce and AJ both had North Central. So North Central from all of us. Next game, Crestview 3-4 and four at Spencerville 1-6. and six. Um, I know Crestview's kind of been on the downslide here in the second half of the season. You know, they started off on a hot 3-0 start. They were ranked uh, in the top uh, division, uh, I'm trying to think, division six. Six. They were in top 15 in the, in in the, the initial poll, poll yeah. yes, I believe. But uh, since, they've dropped down. But I think they, they bounced back and get a win this week. So uh, I'm going Crestview. Yeah, I took Crestview as well. They lost four straight. So uh, Spencerville having the un-Spencerville-like season. But, yeah, I took Crestview. I got Crestview. And Bryce and AJ both had Crestview as well. Next game, uh, Ada 2-5 and five at Columbus Grove, 5-2. and two. Um, I think Columbus Grove wins this game pretty big. Um, they're doing pretty well right now at this point. And uh, the running back, Trent Barraza, is just running all over the place. So uh, I think they, he has a big game, and uh, I think Columbus Grove wins pretty easily. Yep, Coach Schaefer will have him ready to go, taking Columbus Grove. I'm taking Columbus Grove also. And Bryce and AJ, Columbus Grove from them as well. So Columbus Grove across the board. Next game, Lipsick 3-4 and four at Delphus Jefferson 3-4. and four. And this was another interesting game. And I had to think, um, just because Lipsick we thought of as being rated very high at the beginning of the season. But uh, they've had a couple of tough losses. But I think uh, they get back on track uh, this game, even though Delphus Jefferson has proved to be a pretty decent team. I, but I'm going Lipsick this one. Uh, took the Vikings. Yeah, I was like you, Logan. I tossed this around a little bit, but I think Lipsick's gonna, gonna pull out a victory out of this. And Bryce and AJ both had Lipsick. Last eleven man game, Brian three and four at Evergreen two and five. Again, um, Evergreen's shown some improvement this year, but again, they've gone through that gauntlet of the NWA hell. So uh, I think uh, Brian, I think they're gonna come out away with a win this game, and uh, I think they win uh, pretty easily for the most part. So I'm going Brian. Uh, taking the Golden Bears. Yipper, Golden Bears. And AJ and Bryce had Brian, too. So Brian across the board. Uh, a couple eight-man games here. Uh, Holy 5-1 at Toledo Christian 5-1. Big matchup here. Um, after seeing what Holgate did last week and the week before against Fort Wayne Crusaders, uh, I'm riding the Holgate train right now. I think the Holgate Tigers are coming away with a big win here. So I'm going Holgate. I took Toledo Christian. <laughs> <laughs> Flip it up a bit. Uh, I was the same as you. I'm like, uh, I don't know, man. I don't know if Holgate two weeks in a row, yeah. three weeks in a row, I guess. Um, so I went Toledo Christian with Keith. It's so a really good game. Steer, better not steer me wrong, Keith. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Hey, at least I have uh, Bryce and AJ both picked Holgate, so I got some other guys on my side. So we were pretty split on that game. Last game here for a prediction, Stryker 4-2 and two at Fort Wayne Crusaders 6-1. and one. Uh, I think Fort Wayne wins this one. And uh, just kind of after seeing what Holgate did to Stryker and how Fort Wayne has competed with uh, Holgate as well, I think Fort Wayne beats Stryker by a few scores. So uh, I hope Stryker sh- proves me wrong, but I'm going Fort Wayne this game. Yeah, I got Fort Wayne as well. Yeah, Fort Wayne for me. If Stryker had been playing at home, eh, maybe it influenced my vote a little bit, but uh, I'm taking Fort Wayne. All right, guys. Well, that concludes our Week 8 game predictions. Uh, last section here, closing thoughts. You guys have anything going into Week 8? Yeah. It's hard to believe it's Week 8. Yeah, that's, just, my- <laughs> that's what I was just talking about. I'm going to be gone for, for AJ's wedding uh, this week, and then I come back for a week, and then I'm gone for the last uh, Week 10 with the uh, – well, with Tiffany's graduation and, and AJ's soon-to-be wife, Kayla, graduates uh, from chiropractic school at the same time. So um, it's kind of hard to believe. I'm like, man, I'm going to miss the last two games. I didn't realize it. I got to look at the schedule, and I'm like, oh, wow, I guess I'm going to miss the two of the last three. Um, so unfortunately, I'll miss the broadcast, which kind of stinks because I enjoy doing that so much. But um you know, a little chilly up there. Uh, Keith was up there Friday night in shorts. <laughs> That's so. what he was saying. It got, the weather's starting to get pretty cold. So so it'll be interesting to see what we do next week. Uh, if we go back up on top, I don't know what the weather's supposed to be like yet. I haven't looked, but, um, you know, it's uh, it's been a great week, a great year so far. And, you know, teams just – it's funny how you start talking about teams and where they're at at the beginning of the season and then how things have progressed to where they're at right now. And, um, you know, it's just uh, – it's been, it's been a blast. And, and – you know, it's just uh, it's going to be neat to see how things finish up. Yeah, it's 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 hard to believe it's week eight already. Final third of the season is right here, so we've got some good matchups this week. Looking forward. I don't think there's any video because Airsville has a pay per view, unfortunately, so we won't really have any video. So we'll have to tune into one of the media outlets. And uh, there's at least what probably two, three. Yeah, the Black Swamp, uh, Coach Coach Strock and Younger and Younger are over there. Uh, Garrett, of course. Garrett Garrett will be there from the Bull. Um, Randy. Randy and, and Miles, and Miles from I think, WSM yep, probably I have will be on, there too. So. So. <laughs> Big game. Yeah, so yep. it's neat. You, you know, you guys talked about this, and, and, and I love what you guys do. You know, Keith doing the, the live broadcast of the game, and Logan, you guys doing you doing this for the you know the kids. And it's just it's really neat that you know you kind of look back at the times we played. We had stuff like this. It's kind of neat to hear your name. You know, or get to see TV. And, oh yeah. You know, I like like I flip whip, flip to the TV once in a while, and there's like games on TV that high school games are being covered. It's kind of neat, just kind of like watch. I don't watch the whole thing normally. I watch a little bit of it because I just kind of like okay, I just want to check out see how they're doing things and um but it's neat and i I really commend you guys for doing what you do and i get to come on and just be a voice (laughs) i think like back in our generation (laughs) channel 55 always had a high school game that would cover on friday night then it'd be on like saturday like at 11 (laughs) o'clock so i'd always watch the tv 55 game of the week over in fort wayne on saturday morning so yeah, on the four channels that we got, yeah, on the, one of the four <laughs> channels that we got back then, correct? Uh, yeah, there wasn't there wasn't like all these you know sixty different sixty different media outlets covering different uh, things like Sonora Rims Live and NWO Sports. Yeah, and, you know, like you said, Black Swamp Podcast, and you know, just the radio stations. Everybody yeah. does a great awesome. job covering games. It's kind of it's, it's awesome that these kids are getting to you know getting that. Recognition and it just continued to grow. Honestly, it's awesome. So yeah, definitely. it really is. Yeah, it seems like everybody's kind of doing their own yep. little thing. Like, I mean, you know, Hicksville still does Liberty Center. Center, yeah. Brian, I mean, yeah. it's, it's 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 awesome. I mean, Hicksville did the eighth grade game. They they videotaped.
videotaped that and threw that That's on awesome. YouTube. We actually used that to review with our kids, um, you know, because they had nice. a better view than we did. Right. Yeah. Um, so it was it was really neat uh, to see that and see them videotape that, you know, put that on the YouTube. And, you know, the kids, you know, <laughs> I mean, I know as a kid, I would have loved to be like, hey, check us out. You know, I'm yeah, on definitely. TV, you know, kind of They'll thing, be up there forever. I mean, yeah. really. So, right. You know, me, I still I still have some game tapes from when I played in high school, but VHS. they're on the old VHS tape. I don't know if you can get them off there or not, but um, find a VHS player, maybe I could get them off there. But uh, but anyways, yeah, it's been it's been a fun you know first seven weeks, and the the last three here are going to determine a lot of uh, a lot of conference championships. Uh, you know, Harrisville and Antwerp, and you know Liberty Center. They're they're coming down the stretch, and it's going to be neat. It's going to be interesting. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you guys, uh, you guys made some good points there, and uh, again, I think it's just nice to promote these athletes because again, they deserve it. And I said too, like if I was in a high school at this time and we had all this coverage, I would be eating it up so much. It's just awesome <laughs> to see, like, especially get their kids' name out there and recognize them for all their hard work and efforts. And yeah. I guess the only other couple closing th- thoughts I had were. Uh, the other one was I'm getting excited for playoff football. Ooh. Oh man, there's some good teams in the area, and I'm excited to see see them make some runs. So uh, I'm, I'm excited for that. And the last thing, like I always say, get out and support the kids. Get out, and watch the football games, and uh, show up and be loud. So uh, that that's the only th- closing thoughts I have. So, well, uh, if you guys have nothing else, I'd like to thank you again for coming on. Yep, so, thank you. Thanks for it's having. always fun having you guys on. Yes. So. Uh, we'd like to thank all of our sponsors, Three Chord, Bat Stevens Body Shop, Tenor Rams Live, Jimenez Basketball Academy, Fairchild Family Chiropractic, NWO Basketball, and Crystal Vasquez of Amerimade Realty. We'd also like to give a special thanks to Jeff Bat for allowing us to use his amazing new facility at Bat Stevens Body Shop for today's podcast and all future podcasts. Stay tuned for the next NWO Sports Podcast in the near future, and thanks for watching. <laughs>